And we're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 195 of the Fake Nerd Podcast. The world is still on fire. Ken Brada made a very foul movie, and we're going to talk about someone who dies, comes back to life, and wrecks people's shit. Hi, how's it going? I'm Ben Magnet. Hi, Ben. Hi, Ben. I am joined by, of course, my bros in this uh, incredible journey of just, whoo. Yeah, we'll get into it. Brandon T. McClure, Ryan James Eliopoulos. Hi. And- Leave the James out of it. Ryan Eliopoulos, Esquire the Fourth, uh-huh. RJ, RJ, and, uh-huh. and of course Sparks Witty. Hey, 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 hey. I actually got to see Sparks in person for the first time in like three months earlier today. Yeah. That was nice. That was nice. Uh, I, I remarked to Ben that uh, we'd been together at the comic store for about. 15 minutes today and then i went we were walking out to the cars and i was like you know i just it just now hit me because i see you every week virtually how special it is that we're in person right now yeah. and i no, got used to it no it was because right before i walked to the store megan was outside she said hi so i talked to her for a bit and it was and originally because normally when i see one of my friends oh i'm gonna go over and give him a hug and i had to stop like obviously six feet apart i was like i can't do that still I'm just gonna stand here awkwardly. You just give a you give a salute and say, "How do you do, partner?" Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. sad. Ben yeah, was it's... representing, by the way. He was wearing his fake nerd podcast mask from Crafted by Z. Oh, oh yes, those are still great. Great segue. Those are still available from Crafted by Z, made to order. Uh, the links are still in the description below. Cool. Okay, so yeah. what? Uh, who wants to go about their week first? Oh, I'll do it. You know what? It's not very long. That's um, what she you just, said. You just jump in on whatever you were involved in. Um, Megan and I watched all of Space Force. Oh, yeah. Cool. That was fine. Yeah, it's pretty and fine. Find, find me one person who has not said the exact same thing. So I'll tell you, because uh, I, I, Megan and I talking about it, I think we worked out the specific problem with the show is that they want Steve Carell's character to be the straight man, but also incompetent. And that yes. doesn't work. Yes. And you're right, Brandon, like all the family drama shit is is the worst part of the show. Yeah. The worst part of the show. None of that's I, even in the marketing. I, I, I was okay until we hit the episode where it's entirely about that when he goes to for the conjugal visit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no, you can't just do this whole episode and not tell us why his wife is in prison. Yeah, we still don't know. That's ridiculous because they don't know. Yeah. They, they don't know. They haven't found a funny enough joke yet, I guess. It's so anyway about that. Um, that show should be better. Yeah, I mean, but that said, like I liked John Malkovich and I like the uh, the the Asian guy, the Asian doctor. He's underused because they make John Malkovich have to be the straight man too much. John Malkovich should be allowed to be out there, and Steve Carell should have to be the straight man. Yeah, and, and like they just they. I'll also say that I I already just have a problem with the show because the show's point is to try to make Space Force justifiable. And I just fundamentally don't support that idea anyway in real life. And I wish the show treated it like most of the characters are aware it's a joke. But they don't do that. Um, Steve yeah, in the beginning. Acknowledges it as stupid. Yeah. And then he goes like hardcore 100% in on it. And that's part of what makes the show aggravating there was also there's one particular episode where they do a lot of like what the president wants them to do kind of thing and how like the government just shifts money around and all that stuff and i'm like this is just depressing because it feels real rather than comedy yeah uh and that's a lot of what works against the show for me 
just in general, because I wish they treated Space Force more like the ridiculous thing it is. And I wish that what I really wish is that the science team on the show was trying to make it a scientific endeavor rather than a military one secretly mm-hmm. uh, from the president. And I wish that was the show because that would get me on board with rooting for their success because yeah. I don't want to root for the success of Space Force. It's yeah. a dumb idea. Um, yeah. That being said, it, there's still good things in it, but it's definitely not the quality you expect from those guys. Yeah. It might be losing its name too. Yeah. <laughs> In a hilarious stint against the government itself. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. Um, I've continued watching some Craig of the Creek. Uh, I'm not caught up, but uh, that show's awesome. I didn't really touch on it, which I should have, because when I brought up that I was re-catching up on Craig of the Creek. Craig of the Creek's really nice because Craig of the Creek focuses on... The main character is is just a normal black kid with an entirely, like, black family who are featured a lot, and it's just not you think about it and there has not been a Cartoon Network show that really had a black family at the core center, Cartoon Network, not Disney. Uh, And that just, that's really nice. It's just really nice that that's there. And they do a lot of other great things um, for representation, but it's a good show. It's just a good show on its own, but I'm, I'm glad that it exists. Uh, We, we all read Wasted Space, Fakener Book Club. Yes, the Fake Nerd Book Club is up now, guys. New show has launched. New show, new and comics. We talked about that. Uh, I kept up with some of the Twitch protests. I rewatched with friends through Discord both Happy Death Days. Man, we did it. So we watched Happy Death Day, which was our plan, and we finished it. And everyone who hadn't seen it was like, "Can we watch the next one? Can we just like, can we just turn Hell on the yeah. next one now?" And so we just watched it. And I had not done them back to back. Fuck, flawless, flawless those films. They're apparently working on the third one. Oh my god! I love script, it so much. Scriptwriter said he is working on it because Wells is he going to do it in quarantine? So I like, love it because yeah. it's going to be so. We are so far away. By the time the second one ends, you're so far away from the thriller, it's escalated killer so concept. Yeah, I'm so happy. Uh, we all fundamentally agree that like you need the first one for the basis of the emotion, and like the first one's good. Yeah, but the second one is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, what they do with it is so entertaining. Uh, that, moment- that actress is delightful. So, so all of them, all of the people we were watching with who hadn't seen it, when uh, we're booting it up, they're like, I assume this takes place on our next birthday like a year later. And it opens up with the one, the roommate waking up in the car. And they're like, oh, it's the same day? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. And, uh, and that was just the reactions. And then when there's two of, yeah, it's great. Yeah, uh, that happy that day. Yeah. Those are, uh, those are worthwhile. truly fun, fun movies. Yeah. So much okay. better. Than I thought they would yeah. be. Yeah, a horror Groundhog Day, but like truly the best version it could it could be. Yeah. Honestly, more better than anybody thought they should be. Yeah, right, a hundred percent. Written by Scott Lobdell. If I knew they were that good, I would have seen the first one in theaters. Yeah. I did get around to seeing the second one because I I got intrigued enough. Yeah, but if I'd known, I would have like gone to see that one. So damn. Did you watch it? together before we saw it or? we did we watched okay. we watched the first one together because the second one was about to come out and the trailer had made us all go huh what's happening yeah <laughs> um so that was all great uh definitely like a, a friend of the podcast pie uh in the first one there's the bit where she has the emotional meeting with her dad talking about her mom mm-hmm. and uh pa- the scene ends and pie's like i didn't think this movie was gonna make me cry yeah. <laughs> and then when the second movie has its twists for emotions come up he's like oh my god 
what, what? How is this happening in this movie? I love it. It's just not what you expect from that film. Yeah. Um, I, uh, Megan and Ryan and I, Ryan had already seen them, but we watched all three episodes of Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Yeah. Um, it was really good. Uh, I really particularly favor the first one. I don't know if mm -hmm. it's just because it was the first one, yeah. or I just think the concept played out the best, uh, improv-wise. Partially because that those weirdos that they pick for the suggestions oh, yeah. and the way they talk about, yeah, we all we all met in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> like the way that they unfold that story as real people yeah. is part of what makes and that. I, and I love I love Middle Ditch and Schwartz's reactions. Like what? Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> Yeah, their their reactions to everything is like just keep describing their wedding. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> uh, and as somebody who watched it for a second time, uh, just as funny, like truly, honestly. There's so there's so many uh, jokes per minute that you can't catch them all the first time. So like watching it a second time, just as fun. Uh, Ryan and I watched an episode of Rick and Morty. We're catching up. Lava lava. Uh, it was a good one. Yes, it will always always is. <laughs> uh, but this was this one was particularly interesting. The workaround that they came back through. Uh, we also watched another episode of Harley Quinn. Continues to be phenomenal, obviously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, we started, uh, the group that I watch anime with, we started a new anime show because Brand New Animal we finished. And uh, you guys all remember watching the trailer for it. It's Tower of God. Oh, it's out! The Crunchyroll original. Um, it's, all, it's only got three episodes left, I think, to drop uh, before the season is over. That is solid. It, it's solid. Uh, I, I'm trying to think. I don't want to say a lot. Um, I think conceptually, it's better to go in knowing little about how it works. It's not. It's like the high school fighting one. No, no, no. This is um this. So the whole point is uh, there's many characters, and if they climb the tower, they they essentially will meet God. Okay. Uh, and have important questions answered. Um, it's actually not entirely clear. Like everyone's goals from getting to the top of tower seem different. So it's not clear if there is a even a correct answer or one answer to what happens when you get to the top of the tower. Um, and the tower and the tower is broad conceptually because like it's not literally like you see them going up a tower. It's it's a vast open space uh, on all its levels. It it works in interdimensional ways. Um, but the characters are engaging. The writing is tight. The action, because it's a shorter show, it's only going to be 13 episodes when it's done, uh, moves briskly. So uh, by brisk. the time by the time that we were, we only watched two episodes, and I felt like we covered a lot of good ground, and not in a way where I felt like I wasn't getting a lot of character development or anything. Um, highly recommend when you guys have time to set aside for it. It's a solid show. Uh, and the animation is very fluid. I really like it. Cool. So far, I'll keep you updated in case it pulls a brand new animal and goes um, really uh, uh, insensitive. I don't want to speak too soon, but I have seen some stuff on Twitter already about the show, and I've ignored it. But I have seen some stuff about it about I, Tower of about God. Tower of God, and I'm and I have I've ignored it, but like it just coming back to me, and I'm like, oh no. Uh, I hope it's good. I hope it's not bad stuff. Oh boy. <laughs> right now it's okay. Yeah. Right now it's good. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Um, uh, Megan and I played a whole bunch of Overcooked 2's story last night. That was a ton of fun. That was just a Overcooked 2 is a fun game to just play with people. Uh, if you have the opportunity to do it, it's a fun little indie game. It's it's really good for multiplayer. Um, two to four uh, people. 
Um, I don't really recommend playing by yourself. It's a it's, a, it's a cooperative cooking game where you have to like uh, clean and cook and chop and you have to like talk to each other and like sometimes you're on trucks and and it's like it's super super great uh, cooperative stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I played it before, but not with my homies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we we definitely should should set that up sometime. Um, we all played some Battlefront, which was great with a yeah. friend. Um, ben did miss that. Sorry, but brother. But Ben and I played Metal Slug 3 last night. Yeah. And, and then we quit before the final mission. Oh. <laughs> Do you know we quit before the final mission? No, nope, I didn't know. Out, I was like, oh, the next mission was the final mission. Ah, oh, damn. <laughs> we gotta go back. We gotta go back in tonight. We'll have to go back in. Uh, and then the other thing is I finished uh, not reading because I was doing the audiobook, but I finished going back through the original Artemis file book. Um, and have reminded myself about that and all that. It was nice to revisit. I'll just say, like, I, I'll probably talk, I will talk about it in relation to the film later, but just as the book itself, um, I remember the first time I read it as a kid thinking that the world building was maybe a little more grand than it actually is revisiting it as an adult. That doesn't make it bad. It's just, I, I don't know if I'm conflating the other books I read, which wasn't all of them, but, but I did read more into that one but i definitely thought the the world structure was more fleshed out in the first book than it actually is which again not a bad thing because the character arcs and the character developments are very solid and strong uh we'll talk about that in relation to the film later but artemis file holds up it's a worthwhile read uh for kids and i think it's a worthwhile read for it's it's seriously darker than the film and uh and we'll get into that but um, I think it's a worth, worthwhile read if you want a young adult fantasy novel where your protagonist is a bad guy. And I can't stress that enough that that's kind of the point of Artemis Fowl. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty much my week. So there you go. When do you two guys go? Because I'm I'm on this screen already. I'll go. Um, I finished Santa Clarita Diet. I was only one episode away from the last time I said so. I did watch that final episode. Uh, I did not know that show was written to get a fourth season. And I am very upset at the way it ends. Yeah, I heard about that. That sucks. Um, there is... This is not a spoiler. There's a... there's a The little ball thing um, is the worst thing I've ever seen on TV. And might be right on here with the bear from Annihilation for me. Oh, you mean in terms of scary or horrifying, not... Yeah. Uh, Oh, legitimately God. horrifying Shit. i thought i i was wondering if you meant like where they go with it or something yeah. oh no 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 it is it is terrifying and uh i have never felt more like timothy oliphant than watching the final season <laughs> um but yeah sure. anyway gotta get on speaking yeah. of seasons i watched the first season of the harley quinn tv series oh spicy i saw you doing that yeah tell yeah, me i thought you would it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I like it a whole lot. The voice casting is incredible, and I love the animation. But Gordon's okay. Gordon, Gordon's little affair with his with Clayface's hand is wild. Yeah, I so, thought I thought that episode would get you. There's so a lot Ben, of, there's a lot so, of great characters, but Gordon might be the best. So Ben, Gordon is uh, is in Harley Quinn is a man ready to like snap at any moment. Uh, he's been beaten so badly and he's kind of going crazy and he can't, and he's, he's trying to talk to Batman about his marital issues 
and he's just like Barbara doesn't like to doesn't like to sleep with me anymore because she doesn't like watching uh, the the my dying eyes and her and her uh, on top of me every night. I was like, whoa. And Batman doesn't want to admit that he's friends with Gordon. So throughout a heist that Harley Quinn just did, Clayface loses his hand and it becomes a little hand dude with little legs, and it becomes evidence. And Gordon bonds with it and becomes friends. It's weird. I just saw a clip of Harley Quinn. No, I saw a clip of Harley Quinn the other day where she where she's like in a like a uh, a lab or something, and she picks up a ray gun, shoots a guy, and then they're like, "Oh, that she gave you cancer," and says, "Cancer ray." She's like, "Why would anyone make this?" And he's like, "Harley Quinn gave me cancer." that was that was a recent episode, not the last one, but the yeah. one before. Okay. No, and uh, the guy's no, like, "No, go. I can't do this. I gotta spend whatever time I love with my with my family." And she's like, "I'm so sorry." Yeah, so I can't I just, stress enough that criminal who's just like, "Harley Quinn, you gave me cancer." Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I need to so watch that show. Like, one of really the things. Bad. One of the things I really like about it is that um, the hits feel heavy. Yes. Like you, you feel like the, the way the sound, the sound effects work in this, in the show is really great because whenever you, whenever Harley hits someone with a bat, you feel it. There's a, there's an impact to it because of the sound effects that were allowed like. to be brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, stakes. This show, the, the show is probably the best animated show I've in recent memory with this kind of continuity where like things kind of, if something happens in this episode and it pays off in this episode and if someone dies, they're dead. That's it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but one, of, but one of the biggest things watching the show is this is what I wanted the Harley Quinn comic to be. Yeah. Mm, okay. The the Amanda Connor Jimmy Palmiotti book turns her into a bit of a Looney Tune, and she's trying to go straight and run a carnival and blah blah blah. And Cyborg is there, um, but he's like he's like he's not. She's the landlord of the circus building, and like it's whatever, it's fine. It's just, it's a little cartoony, but seeing Harley kind of go from the Harley Quinn of classic to try to become this uh, criminal in her own right. And, you know, uh, Harley is generally in the comics. They have a hard time making Harley Quinn uh, a, a, like a bad guy anymore. Yeah. Cause she's so popular. Right. Um, and that's fine. It creates pretty nuanced character. She is, she operates more as, as an anti-hero anyway, but seeing her progression in the show, like if you wanted to say that, that, the show exists somehow between the old '90s cart, uh, the old '90s Harley Quinn comic book, and the new, uh, and the new Harley Quinn comic book. I there between. I could see that finally progressing the arc of Harley Quinn into what they want her to be. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it, that's that's the thing that I really like about it is that it feels like the Harley that 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 comic should have been from the get go. Would you also agree that it spiritually feels completely in tone with the the live action film Birds of Prey? Yes. Right. It's like yeah. right there. Yeah. I got that energy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The other thing is I don't know why DC is stupid. Uh, full stop. But about this one specifically, because there should be a comic book, an ongoing comic book that just has Harley and Ivy together growing their relationship and being friends. The fact that that has never happened and has only existed in maybe three miniseries is yeah. a crime. Yeah, sure. Because that, um, that should be the norm. It should be the norm. Um, it is definitely a fan a fan favorite thing, too. And sometimes that's why those miniseries come out, because they know how much the fans like it. Yeah. Uh, but like They have that Birds of Prey 
uh, black label book that came out that is just the movie, but in yeah. comic form. Um, they, just, they just came out with another Birds of Prey black label piece uh, uh, this week. Uh, no, sorry, last week. I picked it up at the store today. Okay, cool. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's more in tone with what we want because I think well, that's we, also that's Paul Miotti as well. Yeah, I mean, we've also had Gotham City Sirens, which is a great book. Yeah. Um, but I just I like Harley as a solo title. Fine, she's had good solo titles and they sell well. But like, why doesn't DC? And this is a problem. I'm going to speak up on DC on this problem later on in the news. But the fact that DC doesn't do more of these team up books. Uh, like a Harley and Ivy, a Harley and Ivy ongoing that maybe does more than hint at them having a relationship. Yeah, would be incredible and would sell well, gangbusters. Until season two, two baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, one one obviously it's the reason that they're too scared to have an openly gay couple uh, lead a book. Like they're, they're like any big company, like whether it's uh, Marvel, Disney, Warner Brothers, like that. That's a thing they're always scared to do. Cer- certainly, anyone who's like been an established character prior that they're changing that status of yeah um they don't care about like creating throwaways like i don't remember the name of the characters we're talking about but i know that run that marvel's got coming out with creating all these you know characters like face and um thank you uh, you, that uh, nobody cares about to be their representation thing yeah yeah well talk about a that's so bad yeah um before we move off harley quinn uh two questions how much do you love Kite Man? I love him. Heck yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, and uh, how much did you like the episode <laughs> with young Robin in the reality show? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, show's, yeah. the show's so weird. And Robin's, Robin's pep talk with Batman is like, you know, I didn't get my first nemesis till I was 25. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a hell of a show. Ro- Robin... Uh, Robin's voice kills me. <laughs> it's um, it's uh, 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 Good Boys. Uh, uh, what's his name? The little, the little guy from. Good oh, Boys. it is. Yeah, uh, Frankie Muniz is in a, is in an episode. Yeah, it's true. Hey, if you look up honestly, if you look up the voice cast, uh, we said it when we first started watching. Every single person on that show is famous. Yeah, it, it's truly insane. The voice cast I got for even small characters like they get Frankie Muniz for for a little bit. It's so yeah. Um, and then I had a bit of a Harley Quinn week. Uh, as I saw Batman and Harley Quinn, the newest, the newest Bruce Tim animated movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, newest? How new? When did it come out? A couple years. Okay. It's like newest in regards to Bruce Tim's movies. Oh, I see. I gotcha. Okay. Um, so, like I like I've said, uh, you know, last week that I've been looking at these animated films with a new light. So I thought about going back and maybe catching up, seeing ones I didn't see, seeing ones I judged too harshly. That's what brought me to uh, uh, Gotham by Gaslight. Uh, Fatal Five, and then Batman and Harley Quinn. I was like, you know what? I've been enjoying these a lot more than I remember. Uh, so, and this is supposedly in the animated universe, so I should, I should check it out because I like the animated universe, and I've been liking this more. And like, whoo boy, guys, that was a sharp turn into bad quality. Yeah. Um, I there's a sequence I do really like. And it's a bar sequence where Mix and Min from the animated series, uh, the twins that Two Face uses, um, are singing a country song, and everyone's doing a dance. And Bruce Tim's dances are always really fun because th- he loops the animation, and so it's always like their hips are out, their arms are up, and they're just kind of doing this over and over again. Oh, like uh, like you do when you hear the uh, 
accordion being played in Coco. Oh, I yes. see this one because yeah, there's Floronic Man Swamp Thing stuff. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this one, yeah. Swamp Thing shows up at the end and then disappears. Yeah, that's <laughs> and I was lied to because he was like advertised to be in it and then he shows up at the end. Yeah, uh, like the voice cast is really good, and I actually really like the actress who plays Harley Quinn. She actually gets a musical number in that same sequence. It's a fun sequence, and Batman, like Batman and, and Nightwing, have no audio, have no dialogue in that sequence. They just kind of get ex- exchange looks, and they're funny. And it it is more of a comedy than anything else within that same universe, uh, because they focus a lot on Harley Quinn. Real quick, this is so funny. So you know how um, one of the girls from The Big Bang Theory voices Harley Quinn on the new show. Yeah, it's the other one. It's on this the other part. girl from the Big Bang Theory voicing Harley Quinn in this show, in this yeah. movie. Well, I didn't, well, don't remember her. Warner Brothers uh, shot in-house for yeah. their voice actors. Yeah. Um, she's the one who married the the guy from Dr. Horrible. Um, yeah, Dr. Horrible, yeah. Uh, that's a reference that you guys should know. Uh, I, 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 I <laughs> you know, Moist from Dr. Horrible? Know. What? In real life? Remember Dr. Remember Dr. Horrible? No, no, no. No, she married him in real life. Oh no, in, in fake life. In, the in show? Big Bang Theory. Yeah, that's disgusting that you brought that fact to the show. How I, dare you? You know that. That means you had to have some other fact leave your brain for that one, Brandon. You know, I think about that a lot. I won't get into it because I'm already <laughs> high, and I could fall into that rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I watched the Batman and Harley Quinn. There's the comedy doesn't really work for me. Uh, I like the actress who plays. Poison Ivy, though. Um, there's a sequence in it. You know what? Before I say that, I will say Lauren Lester returns as Nightwing, and he's great. Lauren Lester hasn't been Nightwing since the uh, since the video game adaptation of the animated universe at the animated series 25 years ago, and it's really great to see him back as Nightwing. He was great. Um, there's a sequence where they're in the Batmobile, and Harley Quinn is like, I need to, you need to let me out. I have to use the facilities and Batman won't do it. He's like, nope, shouldn't order the, shouldn't have ordered the chili fries and they keep going. And she's like, okay. And she farts mm-hmm. and Nightwing gags. Yeah. I remember this. And Nightwing says, can you please pull over? And Batman says, no, oh. it doesn't smell so bad. It smells like discipline. <laughs> oh boy. In a different context, that yeah. could be funny. In a different context. And this is after he found out that they slept together, right? This is after he caught them on the bed tickling you know after what? they you slept with each other. That exact same joke. That exact Harley same Quinn. joke on the Harley Quinn show. Hilarious. Yeah, 100%. Hilarious. But Kevin Conroy doing it? No, see, that's the thing. The Harley Quinn Batman doing that? Hell yeah. Funny. Dedrick Batter? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, there's this. There's so I I decided to go back through and watch the two of the sex trilogy that I call it the the films that try to get Batman Blade, uh, Killing Joke, uh, Gotham by Gaslight, and this one. And I was like, who has to try that hard to get him laid? Bruce Tim apparently he produced all three of those. I mean, that guy's Bruce Wayne. He should have no problems. <laughs> well, so you know, so Killing Joke has the sex has the implied sex sequence between between uh. Uh, the gargoyle and the gargoyle, no, and Batman and Batgirl, which is disgusting, and you should feel bad for it. The other, the other one is Gotham by Gaslight, and it's Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne, and within the context of that movie, it works, and it's kind of kind of cute. Uh, the Batman and Harley Quinn is Nightwing and Harley Quinn, and it's rape. Yeah, it's Harley. Yeah, 
it's it's hardly it's hardly saying like I thought you guys didn't like girls. It's like who said that? And then and then it ends with Nightwing saying the things I do for Gotham, all because Harley saw him have a boner, guys. Yeah. And here's the thing. Again, in different contexts, um, I could see Dick Grayson like with this Harley, like with Harley Quinn, he's like a detached from the Joker. Like I could see him doing that because that dude, he's a, he loves the ladies, right? Whatever. But in this context, with like Lauren Lester coming back and like this is like the Bruce Tim Batman universe, I'm like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Why? I mean, there's a there's a funny gag with a match in the floor and the Floronic Man that I quite liked, but that's the very end of that movie. Yeah. And this, the whole thing is just. If it is the enemy universe, it's out of character for Batman completely. Yeah. Uh, but if it's if it's not, it's just not very good. Mm-hmm. I was bummed because I was like I said, I've been really enjoying them so far, and to kind of go like, oh yeah, like Superman, Red Sun, Batman, Gotham by Gaslight, and this was like, oh, all right. Um, the shame is the Tim joint too. Yeah. Yeah. I can recall you going off about this movie in the past, and this never sounded like one that like, oh yeah, some amount of like removal and maybe change perspective would make this good apparently not uh all right ben ryan Uh, well i'll go zigzag it i I didn't do it this week again um i with the announcement of a certain uh wall crawler we'll talk about later uh inspired me to go back and finish um well i beat it but i played more spider-man from the ps4 that came out two years ago um I beat that game at 97% uh, out of 100%. So I just went back and I just cleaned up the streets and I got 100%. I got my trophies and all that shit. Um, this, the, I got the DLC on sale as well. So um, I started to play did some of the DLC. But first, um, we are obviously in a very uh, trying time in America. It's very funny to go back to that game in 2018. And Spider-Man is just super homies with all the cops. And there's a bunch of cops like beating up protesters. And you got to stop the protests from, from happening. I'm just like, oh, boy. Oh boy! And then I played some of the DLC, and Spider-Man is on is actively with SWAT teams going into places with them. And I'm just like, oh, Spider-Man, this is I don't know, this is so conflicting right now. But it's still really good. Um, I, no, I lied. It's 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 good. It's good because um, even though this is a technically a sequel to the Spider-Man game, it's all about Hammerhead trying to take power after the stuff that happened. Um, it feels like a lot of those side missions you did in the game. There's nothing spectacular. Excuse the pun. About these, about this DLC, it's just about Hammerhead coming in. Remember how you fought Mafia guys, and remember how you fought Sable guys. What if you fought Mafia guys with Sable guns? That's what this DLC is. Um, obviously, it still looks great. It runs great. It's still playing Spider-Man. But you don't play the other two. I played two of the three. Okay, so you played Hammerhead and Black Cat. Yes. So I okay. thought the Black Cat stuff was was uh, good. I like Black Cat as a character. There's too much screwball stuff. All the side stuff with screwball is, uh, it's fine, but I don't like that character very much, and I, I find her kind of annoying. And the fact that she takes up so much of all this DLC really bums me out. It really bums me out. But um, the the story itself is really fun. It's a couple hours for each DLC, so if you can get it for cheap, it's worth playing. But um, I, I'm kind of disappointed because it kind of feels like this is just cut content from the game. It doesn't, again, like Hammerhead, and like the way his, his, his uh, thing goes out. You remember Tombstone? In the game, it just feels like a tombstone mission. It doesn't feel like anything like, oh, you have to play this DLC. But if you want more Spider-Man, it is really, it's still a great game to play. I did that. I started watching this anime called Doro Hidoro. Um, I did it out of the whim. I was just on Netflix at like midnight and it said, hey, there's this new anime about a guy with a lizard head. So I'm like, cool, let's watch it. It's um, post-apocalyptic 
and uh, uh, cross-dimensional class warfare about human beings who live in uh, the hole, which is just like a really shitty version of the earth. And then there's an alternate dimension where all the sorcerers live. And all the sorcerers are rich and powerful and they have magical abilities. And they all dress like monsters and skeletons and they're all like basically racist jerks, right? Um, sometimes the sorcerers come down to the hole because there's resources that they need to get. And humans hate sorcerers, uh, sorcerers hate humans, that kind of thing, right? Your main character um, gets turned into a lizard head by a sorcerer. So he has a giant reptile head and his regular head is on the inside of his neck right here. So what he does is he has amnesia. So he doesn't know what sorcerer did this to him. So every time he finds one, he eats their head and the dude just inside his mouth. And then a, a dude comes up saying, were you the sorcerer who did this to me? <laughs> and then he goes, no. And he goes, cool. And he goes back down his neck and then he spits him out. He's like, all right, go away. And it's wacky and hilarious and super weird. And it's exactly the type of thing uh, I, I'm into. So I'd, I'd heard about this, and then Ryan brought it up, and I saw that it was on Netflix, and I'd already kind of heard some whiffs about it. I asked the guys who watch way more anime than me uh, about it, and most of them have watched it, and they highly recommend it. I'm, so oh, it's, it's quality that's, that's content through and through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it is like just a, the right amount of wacky and like having a message coded in like uh, silly fantasy stuff, but just the the design of the sorcerers, like they all look like Dark Souls monsters. Like one of the main bad guy, his his mask is an actual human heart. He has a human heart for a head, uh, and it's a lot of things like that. It's just super wacky, and uh, all the all the sorcerers have different types of magic, but it's just really fun. If you want to jump into something fun, I highly recommend that one. I think that's it. That's it? Ben? I think so. I played a bunch of other games um, here and there, but nothing really to talk about much. Um, you did a thing yesterday. I did. I always forget to talk about Yeah, Bored and Annoyed. Uh, I always talk. Uh, I always do that every Saturday that I can. Downright uh, Annoyed. Downright Annoyed. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, you're the best. Um, we talked about Commando this week. Commando is a extra fun Arnold Schwarzenegger 1985 movie. Maybe the most 80s movie ever made. It is just so fun. It's probably our, our best episode that we've done because we had just such a fun time talking about it. And uh, Michael actually included clips, uh, which we haven't done before. So it actually made it really fun to talk about. Uh, so I highly recommend checking that out on their channel. Thanks for that. Nice. And uh, um, I my Yeti mic broke, and so I'm waiting for that new one. So I'm not streaming until I get that new one. Kapow, that's me. That's why we sound like crap. Yeah. Ben? I didn't do anything this week except play some uh, – I got a Golden Sun from uh, Frankenstein's the other day. That's what it looks like. And yeah. I've actually been really enjoying it. It's a really fun game. I heard it was a really good Game Boy Advance RPG that I've been um, that I've actually been wanting to play. And I think the completionist put it best because he did a video on it, and he said that uh, Golden Sun is very good as an intro RPG. As in, if you don't you don't want to fall off to the deep end with something like say Final Fantasy or Mass Effect, and if you're if you're like not sure if you like RPGs, I don't think Golden oh, Sun is good. That's baby's RPG, baby. That's a bad example. That um, one, that that's, that's effects like, of baby's RPG. That's baby's RPG. That's not even an RPG. <laughs> that that's like action RPG. Sorry. All right. Mass Effect's like my favorite series. I I I would know. All right. Sorry. But I mean, I've actually I've been playing that a lot. I've I've been having a lot of fun with that. I mean, there have been times where I'm coming home thinking, okay, I'm gonna start reading my comics, and then I see my Game Boy Advance. It's like I'll I'll do like a little bit of Golden Sun. Next thing I know, it's like I should probably go to sleep right now. <laughs> yeah. So besides that, I've just been doing stuff stuff for the show, and that's I didn't do anything much this week now or not that i can remember besides seeing uh sparks today to pick up my comic books and yeah all right my week was not uh nothing let's you get into it 
Well, he brought up a good point. Uh, we did stuff for the show this week. We really buried the lead. It was our four-year anniversary on Friday. Oh, my God. Yeah. You're the best. Yeah, see, he's got, he got, he got <laughs> We really buried the lead on that one. Uh, yeah, it was our four-year yeah. anniversary on Friday, and yesterday we recorded a special to honor that. That's up on YouTube right now. Uh, but we've been doing this for over four years officially now. Man, Not that's that. wild. Not really me four years, you like two more weeks in your four years, but but more or less. You were was he on an episode in the first year? Oh yeah. Then four years. No, I joined I joined like mm, like like months? really, really joined six months in, yeah. seven months in. I would say that like the first time I guessed it, I mean like regularly yeah. circled yeah, it. About six months in. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, so yeah, Sparks is right. We recorded an episode, and it's up on YouTube now. Also up on iTunes and all your podcasting services, so you can watch or listen to it. I recommend to watch this one. It was a lot of fun. Um, we did some trivia for that. But yes, it is four years we've been doing this. And we also did the book club, a new show. We, we launched the book club show um, for kind of information on what that's going to be. Watch that episode, but it's basically just going to be a series where we go through a series of comic books instead of just doing one comic book every week. So it should be a lot of fun. Woo, 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 I love it. All right, so let's get into our really long news, guys. It's going to be a long episode. Strap in. Here I'm, we I'm go. double strapped. And here's your bread and your butter. Here's your bread and butter. Hey, okay, not in my ear, thank you. All right, we start today with some bad news. Yep. Uh, Mel Winkler passed away this week. Uh, if you don't know that name offhand, he was the voice of Lucius Fox in the new Batman Adventures. Uh, he was also a character, he was a character actor mostly, tons of TV shows. He did Superman, Superman, the new adventures of Lois and Clark, that's what it's called. Uh, tons of other shows back in that day. Uh, he passed away for unknown reasons at the age of 78. So, uh, very sad to lose that. Yeah. And then Denny O'Neill, famed comic book writer Denny O'Neill, uh, passed away this week at the age of 81 due to natural causes. Uh, this guy, man, what can you really say? About I, uh, I So you guys probably haven't, not not to speak for you, but I know you guys don't read a lot of 70s and 80s comics, but Denny O'Neill, if there was a Mount Rushmore of comics, more than four people, I wouldn't think he'd be top four. He's top 10 for sure. Uh, he's the reason that the Green Arrow is the is the way that he is now. Then the way you like him, he's the reason the question is the way that he is, and that you like him. Um, he he was the editor of Batman for forty years, for over forty years, and he wrote on Batman from the seventies up until then. Um, he he wrote the I, I forgot to bring my book down. He wrote a novelization of Nightfall where Bane broke Batman's back. That's the only DC novel I own, and he and he wrote it. It's excellent. Uh, the impact this dude had on the industry is monumental. Well, well he you know. You said he had a large run on Batman. That's true. He revitalized Two-Face, uh, Joker. He's he's one of the creators of Leslie Tompkins, which is a, 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 a DC mainstay. But most, mostly for Batman, he created Ra's al Ghul. And Talia, yeah. Ra's and Talia. Son of the demon, heir to demon stuff. Yeah. As, as is, you know, what happens with these kind of things. I didn't know much about him yeah. till he passed. And yeah. then this week, and then I was reading articles. I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah, he did a lot of good he, stuff. He wrote... The, maybe the best run of Iron Man from the 80s. Um, the Demon in the Bottle stuff was was before his time, but he took that stuff and maybe the most heartbreaking issue of Iron Man 182 is when he is alone on the street, homeless, and he helps 
a pregnant homeless woman give birth and then she dies and he's on the street with her. And that is, you you don't write comments like that with Tony Stark anymore. Tony Stark is an MCU character. He is not the broken person he used to be. Uh, he's the reason that that uh, Speedy was a heroin addict. Danny O'Neill dealt with serious topics in comics from like at a way earlier age than most people did. Like uh, I didn't think about how, like how much I've read his stuff because I, I read a lot of older comics years ago, but not recently. But like, that's why, spoiler alert, that's what the next book club is, his work. Um, this like, I didn't realize like how much this dude's work like meant to me, and like, uh, it's it sucks. It sucks. Like he he he's old. He was an older guy, and it's natural causes. Yeah, how old uh, was how old was he? Eighty one. Eighty one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and like he was he was working with Batman until two thousand and nine. Like that dude, he wrote an Abbott and Costello comic in the sixties. Like this dude has been around for a long time. Cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. I looked it up. He like, wrote he wrote uh the the fame the famed Green Lantern Green Arrow run. Uh, which which Ryan says where it was revealed that Speedy was uh, was on heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I like one of his one of his uh, um, one of his like things that he did was like, he killed the original Batwoman, Kathy Kane. I was like, oh, you bastard! <laughs> there you go. You wouldn't have Kathy uh, Kane then. That's that? true. Um, yeah, he his influence on the comic book world to mention anything is to shortchange him because of how influential he was. You know, people credit Mark Miller. Mark Miller not Mark Miller, Frank Miller, Alan Moore for ushering in the dark ages of comics. But man, he was doing that stuff before yeah. the dark returns. I, I think it's unfortunate that I can be as steeped in comics as I, as I am, which is admittedly not as much as Ryan, but I've never heard his name come up. Yeah. yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Now I know, now I'm going to look for stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, I don't want li- to, I don't have a list in front of me of all the characters he created, but please look it up. Uh, for sure. it's, impressive uh, to the audience you know look it up it's, it is impressive he also he was, uh, i didn't know this but uh he was one of the directors of the hero initiative which is a huge comic book uh, uh charity so like he was just a great, all-around great guy uh um thanks thanks for your work man i appreciate you i did see uh uh my favorite thing i think to come out of it people talking about denny o'neill on twitter was the, he gave us the greatest single greatest moment in comics ever. You know which one? Yeah, hundred percent. Which is like, uh, can you put Iron Man on and Tony Stark's on the phone? No, it's like, Rhodey. Oh, is it? It's Rhodey. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's Rhodey. Yeah, uh, it's Rhodey, and he's and he's like, one sec. He puts on the helmet. Yes. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's great comic book cheesiness. Um, yeah, he he wrote Rhodey when uh, when Tony Stark was on the streets. Uh, and then, and then the armor wasn't taking to Rhodey, so it started to infect Rhodey, and Tony Stark had to come and be a hero again. Um, but man, like he was very progressive. He was very all about like talking about the subjects of like addiction and stuff. So like, I, I appreciate him more than ever now. Unfortunately, after his passing. Yeah. Um, okay, so this this category starts a trend that I'm actually going to read out. The I'll take two hundred. I'll take category two hundred, Alex. Uh, no. Oh. Um, so this is just called delays for shit. Uh, there were a lot of delays, mostly on Warner Brothers' end this week. Uh, as kind of as we're coronavirus is still real. Spoilers. Anyway, go ahead. Um, Wonder Woman eighty four was moved um, from its August fourteenth, twenty twenty date uh, to October second, twenty twenty. This is the fourth release date that Wonder Woman eighty four has had. I... Guess what? Yeah. I don't think it's the last. Yeah, I don't want to ruin anyone's day. I don't think it's the last. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong uh, has has moved from its November 20th, 2020 release date, which it was its second release date after May, to was pushed from May after Godzilla King of the Monsters didn't do well. Uh, now it is May 12th, 2021. 
awesome. on the third release date. Uh, yeah, uh, and the movie's done. Anyway, uh, they did release a synopsis this year, this this year, this week of it. Uh, of what the movie. Year too, you're not wrong. Oh, that's true. Yeah, uh, <laughs> what the movie could be. Um, it says, in a new world where man and monster now coexist, Monarch must lead the way to a pro- to a prosperous future alongside the Titans, keeping humanity in check. However, rival factions that want to manipulate the Titans for war begin to rise under the guise of a nefarious conspiracy, threatening to wipe out all life on the planet. Meanwhile, on Skull Island, strange seismic activity draws the attention of Godzilla and Kong alike. I was going to say, isn't that entire first thing you said just the plot of the last movie? Yep. Like, exactly the plot of the last movie, and then we go to Skull Island? Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, oh, man, you guys, I don't know. Well, it's written by... Um... Who, who directed the last one? Uh, Michael Dougherty. Yeah. Michael Dougherty. It's written, this one is written by Michael Dougherty. Cool. Yeah. I, I want to have faith. Got to have faith. Get I faith think I want to watch it anyway. Visually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure, yeah. My eyes will be uh, pleasantly surprised, but my brain will go, oh, baby. <laughs> uh, Tenet has finally moved. <laughs> Take that, Chris. <laughs> Tenet has finally moved. From its original release date of July 17th, 2020, to a new release date of July 31st, 2020. Wow, wow, a week. Instead, on the 17th, Inception will air. That's not even... That's that's not even a movie I would pick. This doesn't even make sense. It's like, hey guys, you know, there's a movie you could watch at home, but why don't you guys risk going to the theaters and watch Inception to support... Warner Brothers. Again, instead of just staying at home, I feel like go the, see Inception. If it, it, I feel like Interstellar would be the one to choose because that's like the more visually. Uh, well, I guess they're both visual appealing. So there's like, a, there's a rumor going around that Tenant is actually a sequel to Inception. I also saw that, and I that uh, cool. Okay, cool. Whatever. Well, if that if that is true, then it would make sense that Warner Brothers would do something like this. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. But I'm still not going to a theater to see it. Nope, I own it. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's a very mixed messaging kind of thing to say we don't have faith uh, that it's safe for I think you it's to like go a, to the theaters to put this out. Uh, but please go see this movie. You can watch at home easily. This ten year old movie. Yeah. And so one of the things that one of the things that is entirely possible is that the theaters asked to play something in that slot because they're opening anyway possible and warner's and warner's gave them inception yeah i just again if, if you want to test the market i just don't think a 10 year old movie is the way to go yeah. even if yeah. like, it's tied to your movie or not like i don't and I it's the 10th a, anniversary yeah i mean i i don't know I'm, I'm not usually someone who goes to see a movie like five year and a 10 year anniversary in the theater i'll go see something like non-inception i guess it's just yeah. fine it's i just mean not, it's not the kind of movie under any circumstances, I feel like I need to go see that in theaters right now. Yeah. yeah. Like, if, there, if Jurassic Park was showing, I'll go. That's totally, yes. Yeah. There's a um, lot of movies that, like, I could watch at home, but you put it in theaters, I'll go. Oh, yeah. There's, there's quite a list. Yeah, there, there's definitely quite a few. I, I saw Inception in theaters, so I yeah. don't need to see it again. But um, Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So... My Spy, the Dave Bautista spy movie with the little girl and the girl from Bob's Burgers. I forgot her name. That uh, we've been seeing trailers for for almost two years. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. It has a new release date 
I'm gonna read. I'm gonna list you the original release dates. First, it was coming out in August 2019, January 2020, March 2020, April 2020. And now it will be released on Amazon Prime for free, streaming on Amazon Prime on June 26, 2020. Oh, they're giving it away for free. It's not even gonna be VOD. Wow. wow. I'll watch it. No, no, that's. I, I will absolutely watch it. But I'm just like, uh, do they not even have faith that people will pay for it? Well, it makes some. Go ahead. Well, this joins movies like Lovebirds and Artemis Fowl. And yeah. Now, like cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but I do think this makes some sort of sense because this was a Fox movie, right? This is the No, Fox Stuber movie? is the Fox one. This is the Paramount. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because okay. I was going to say, if it's the Fox movie that Disney just has, they're not really losing money. I'll yeah. just shove it down. All right. I will say... Um, Dave Bautista and that little girl make really, really funny TikToks for the marketing for this movie. So I'll support it. Yeah. Okay. I, I've wanted to watch it. I feel like it'll be charming in its own way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It looks more appealing to me than the uh, like a fun- than the stupor one did. Yeah. Which is unfortunate yeah. because I like those actors. Just stupor yeah. didn't do it for me. Yeah. Yeah. No Time to Die has moved from its November 25th, 2020 release date to now November 20th, 2020. They moved up five, five days. Ago. Five days early? Yeah. I think well, I, no. uh, I think they're trying to stay a little further away from the holiday. I think that is one of the things is that theaters are gonna try to, oh, to tone down holiday attendance yeah. because it's not it's it's it, with the coronavirus, it's not gonna be great for business. hundred percent. Because I know like I when I spent time with my families, we would go to the movies. Right, like, exactly, yeah. exactly. So I, I think that we're going to see a lot of people try to keep away from the holidays being release dates for films. Yeah. yeah. Rather something that, like, less people will go to see a thing that's been out for about a week rather than, like, we got to go right now because it just came out. Smile. Yeah. Uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music has changed its release date from August 21st, 2020 to August 14th, 2020. Also moving up. And Matrix 4. And Matrix 4 has moved... From its second release date after being pushed from the coronavirus to now April first, two thousand and twenty-two. Oh, the Amazon hot two. That's now two years away. Hot dog. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, gives Keanu Reeves plenty of time to film John Wick Chapter Four. Yeah. Uh, did you guys hear about the the, the CGI sex scenes that uh, uh, Hollywood's considered using from now on? It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You're funny. I mean, like if if you're if you are having a film right now where that amount of intimacy is required between your actors, it makes sense to just forego that in lieu, uh, if you have to show it, just make it CGI. Yeah. I would be cool if they just got, like, Barbies and with, like, the faces of the actors, and we're just like... Team America. Team America. Yeah. <laughs> like, Use your imagination and subtitles. <laughs> All right. So this, this category is called Industry Shit. Oh, man, it's not, this is a shitty episode. <laughs> I was writing this really late, really late last night. Yeah. Uh, the Flash has fired Har- Hartley Sawyer, mm-hmm. the elongated man, uh, for offensive uh, language. I have so like that. feelings about this. So this is this, honestly, this is a James Gunn type situation because he did these tweets eight years ago. The difference is he never apologized for him or anything. That's the difference. James Gunn deleted those tweets and he apologized multiple times before he was caught where Justin or uh, Sawyer, what his name is, was like, he apologized now for it. Um, that sucks. I agree. Here's my, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Those tweets were there the whole time. Yes, they were. This changes nothing about the fact that they hired him, that yeah. he would have been vetted to some degree, yeah. uh, that, that he's done this work for a long time. And my, 
my thing about it, I like that actor as the elongated man. He's really good. I'm re- trying to be objective when I say this. Um, I am aware that I enjoy him on the show. I think he's been a, a good at addition to the show that has made the show stronger. I think that punishing someone for, and I read the tweets, and uh, they're not great. They're, they're, they're bad. But um, I think punishing someone this late for something that was said that far back when they've done as much as they have, when they've interacted, like, if if the actors on the show, if the people in his life that are around him in this working space have never felt like that's been a factor of him, I don't know that you can hold someone so accountable for actions six years old or more. Yeah, that's, 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 that's tricky a, about it. That's a yeah. really weird gray area where I don't know that this should cost him a, his job. It, I think it removes the opportunity for a person to have evolved Growth. or grown yeah. at all uh to this is this is one of those times where i think it's it's a little overreactionary, uh which i understand given the where we're all at right now in our country yeah but uh i i don't know that this th- i think this sends the wrong type of message message uh rather than allowing an opportunity for for any kind of acknowledgement or um or evolution of a person. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a bummer because yes, those things were shitty. He also said them that many years ago and hasn't done or said anything in the vein of that since. And everybody says dumb shit on the internet at some point in their lives. Yeah. It might not, it might not be that bad, but like I wouldn't want to be held accountable for like some of my most depressing things I ever said on Twitter. Yeah. You know, uh, where people judge me for that. Not necessarily that they were ever like, they were more like self, self-deprecation but like i wouldn't want that shit dragged up to be compared to judge me who as i am now yeah you know what i mean i mean we don't we don't know for sure that he hasn't had complaints on the set for language or something like that no i know but you'd think that if there were that would have been a part of this conversation yeah multiple of the people who worked on the set have come out against him though Mm -hmm. uh so that gives me some if any leeway to be like Maybe there is something there. I don't know. Like Van Gusten very clearly came out and said it. Like the, the yeah, showrunner yeah. clearly came out and said we don't like this. And yeah, again, this is. But Van least... Gusten also said he was shocked. Yes. Okay, he was shocked. Yes. Um, that's that's what yeah. what I mean is like yeah. there are some who are saying like I hadn't. This is shocking. And again, eight years ago, um, that's such a long time ago. <clears throat> that is such a long time ago. And like, like I I don't even remember the things I said last week. I can't imagine like being held accountable for things I said eight years ago when I might not meet them. Um, and I also looked at the tweets and they are hero- they are horrific. They are as if you've seen those James Gunn tweets, they're as bad as them. Like they are not funny, they are not cool. Um, especially in a time now where we're dealing with issues about racism and sexism. Um, it's 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 uh, I, I wouldn't know what to do. I'm glad I'm not the guy in charge of the show. Um, I don't think I think this is the only thing you can do because like when you have so many people yelling at you, the only thing you do is is retaliate. That's what happens with James Gunn. Yeah. Uh, even if it's not warranted. Um, it's we're in a weird situation where like our past can come back to haunt us a decade later, even if it's even if we're not the same person anymore. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of tragic. Um, I just like I hope he learns from it. Uh, he probably has before this. Um, I'm glad I'm not running a show. I'll yeah. That. Yeah. I, I want to be clear that like I'm not saying they're doing the wrong thing. I just think that there should be more more question about how right this is than us just being all like good, they fired that guy that said something racist six to eight years ago. Yeah, I, I think we need to be more nuanced about our approaches to it as 
audience members, as people, even as the people who are running the show. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that this is the the exact correct course of action. Um, I don't know necessarily what is. I don't know if there's some level where we need to introduce an amount of like maybe maybe that there is a uh, you know like a workshop kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, about educating him and and like discussion and like he's pulled off the show for a while to do that kind of thing like it feels that this is that on that gray area where it's like it, it it's not it, it's not quite such a criminal offense of what he did where there should be an amount of acknowledging is this ha who you are now yeah mm -hmm. is this who you're going to be going forward um but and again it is what it it's is. it's him trying to be a a um like a volatile comic, like uh, like every well, I think every the goes to say in their life, like every comedian has a period where they're really vulgar, like not everyone, but you know what I mean. Like they all have it where they're really edgy, and he that's his that was his edgy period. Uh, it's just unfortunate it came out in really gross ways. Like, we we I mean we have to acknowledge like we'll never know the full story. We know what Warner Brothers told us. We know what yeah, but we don't know what happened behind the scenes. We don't know if he was in fact doing this stuff to the cast or crew. We don't yeah. know if he wasn't. It's just the, the thing is like and like Ryan said, it's like, you know, we're lucky that we're not in that position. Yeah. Yes. Uh I think I think what what drew my ire about the situation is that it's framed in a way like we just learned that he's this person. And I'm like, but yeah, but you shouldn't either you shouldn't have because it was clear in interactions with him leading up to this point, which he's been at the show for three years, should be kind of known if that's uh, kind of gauge where that's at or that uh, someone should have been able to recognize this beforehand. Now, granted, I don't know, like social media vetting isn't, maybe we're not, maybe now is just getting to the point where studios are taking that kind of thing more seriously to go back and look, but uh, yeah. it, it's just weird to have it be a reactionary thing like it just happened, but it didn't. It didn't just happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, uh, it, if it had just happened, then yeah, obviously get him out of there but since this like like you said it happened eight years ago people have changed i mean sure. like, and again just to be clear don't know the full story yeah, we don't we know don't, what he was yeah. doing behind the scenes but sparks right. is right like it is it is a weird way to frame this sort of thing um like figuring out like we just found out like it is like the disney of the james gunn thing where it's like you know we just found out this happened really yeah. and i mean ryan's right the, the james gunn thing has a very strong difference which is that even before it was known, James Gunn was apologizing for those things. But at yeah. the same time, I can also understand, again, us not knowing the full story, but I'm going off of what has been presented to us, which is that Hartley Sawyer could have thought that he didn't need to. Yeah. And I can understand that kind of young arrogance about it, too. And I don't know that that goes on a line where we need to be firing people for it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's simply something where I think, in general not just us, but everybody should be having more of a conversation about how do we handle this kind of behavior? Because I don't always know that reacting to something that's so old in, in this manner is the, the correct way to do it. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, AT&T made some waves this week with a couple of things that have happened. Uh, as we all know, they, you know, they, they own Time Warner now, uh, Warner Media. Um, they are looking to sell, they're reportedly looking to sell WB Interactive, which concludes uh, studios such as uh, Rocksteady, ne uh, Nether NetherRealm, and Avalanche. Um, this 
apparently this value is it's valued about four billion dollars. This deal, uh, they're looking to liquidate more things. Um, this is, I think, the the diamond thing comes from the same strategy that they are looking to liquidate as much as they can to pay off the debt that they accumulated accumulated with the with the with buying of Time Warner. And I think yeah. this and this is what this is. This is them being like, we'll get money back for these so that we are no longer in debt. Their their main priority is to get out of debt. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's also a reaction to the lack of those things bringing in revenue at this moment because of the coronavirus. Yeah. So they're speeding up the track record of how they want to get out of that debt. Yeah, um, this this deal would also include uh, IP licensing. So anybody who buys these these titles will still be able to use the IP that Warner Brothers uh, controls. That's big. I mean, it's like that. That's Batman. Yeah. yeah. So whoever whoever gets this gets Batman. This is um, generally, unless we're talking about EA, generally when a company gets bought by someone else, that's a good thing because they then they get more money and more resources to make the things they want. Right. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, this just this seems like a good thing because anytime. Uh, like Rocksteady, right? They are under Warner Brothers. They can Rocksteady can only make what Warner Brothers kind of wants them to make. If they get bought by someone else, they can do that, or that studio can let them work on something else. Like for me, this this is only a good thing. Avalanche is a great studio. They made Mad Max and they made the Just Cause games. Um, like again, like this for me is great. Like uh, more studios that get to work on things uh, makes me happy. You know, let let people like not uh what's it called like free, open domain or whatever free domain. Like that's the dream, right? Anyone can work on whatever they letting, want. Letting things get a, at least on this side of the industry get a little further away from the oligopoly. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Like I love that that um that Sony owns Spider Man and we get one great Spider Man game. But if that Spider Man game's bad, we're stuck with that Spider Man, right? So like I love when when this happens to companies. So I'm very this I'm very excited for this. Well, wait. Marvel owns the video game rights to Spider-Man, not Sony. Okay, so uh, which is why it's licensed to Insomniac. Okay, yeah, okay, thank you. Yes, but I mean it's only on PlayStation. But yeah. Well, yeah, but that's because Insomniac's PlayStation exclusive. It was yeah. in con- it was not related. Yeah. Uh, just kind of happily worked out. But I mean, um, like, like, like the other games used to be multi-platform. Now you have to go to PlayStation for Spider-Man. If that Spider-Man game is bad, that's all you got, and that makes me sad. Yeah. Um, I would imagine this would include TT, which has been making the uh, the Lego games. Yeah, Travel. Um, Travel I think this is going to probably include the Lego games. So I wonder what's going to happen to those um, after Star Wars yeah. the complete Star Wars, Lego Star Wars the complete saga comes out. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. Like any of like the big companies could buy these guys. Like if like if Microsoft or Sony bought these, like that could be that could mean crazy things. Whoever I, buys it, I hope that Warner Brothers Montreal finally tells us what they've been working on. Man, that game, that, that game, whatever. That, that They're working on something. They have been. They just won't tell us, and I'm, I just want to know. Um, I think that the LEGO games will continue no matter what happens because wherever it ends up, LEGO will pursue continuing to make those video games, and it's very easy now that the template exists to just keep pumping. That's just like... That's free money. Because that, that, like, you just take... It, it, with variation, I'm not trying to, to say that they never try to incorporate new things or make those Lego games more fun. But I mean, like, the very simple, basic setup of how the Lego games work is more or less consistent across all the titles. You just bring in new IP to work with. So I think that those Lego video games in some form will continue to exist, regardless yeah. of where the selling happens here. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, what, the, what would they look like, I wonder. Um, and then AT&T also decided that they're going to remove the HBO Go app. They're going to sunset that app altogether um, HBO Go was the app that you would get if you were already subscribed to the cable channel HBO. This uh, 
I I know people who do that, and that's they're upset because now, this, is, this is them strong arming to say, oh, you want all your stuff that you can play on all your devices, not have to watch it live. Got to get HBO Max, baby. So HBO Now, which is the app that you could subscribe if you don't have a cable subscription to HBO, uh, will just be renamed HBO and will still exist. Right. And then the HBO Max, obviously. They're doing this, quote unquote, to avoid confusion of having three HBO apps. Yeah, they're just consolidating, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it, but it's important that it's eliminating app service for people who already have like Dish or Satellite or that kind of thing who are paying for an HBO channel. They no longer can get an app where they can just pull up HBO video access. Do you do do you get HBO Max because you already have HBO though? No, no, no. So so HBO Go gave you everything that HBO Now used to give you before Max existed. Okay. So you had access to all the HBO shows okay. because you paid for the HBO channel through something else. That app will now not exist. Okay. You will not be able to do that if you are paying for HBO through some subscriber or channel thing, satellite, dish, whatever. Uh, you now can only watch it live. You can't well, now, just... I wonder, now I wonder, and they haven't said one way or the other, but I do wonder if they will make concessions for those people to get HBO now. You mean the the new HBO? Yeah, I haven't heard anything about that. They have to because that just seems like like they're shitting out a bunch of people. I, I, I mean, would not surprise if that became if that became their strategy. I don't. I'm I I'm pretty sure that they won't do it because they want everybody to pay the sixteen dollars to get HBO Max. Again, they made that they made that app. Or what do you think about this? What? Ben, thoughts? Wait. Oh, You're about the whole... podcast, you can talk. No, no, I'm. Cause I don't have HBO. I, I, HBO. It sucks for the people who pay cable and their their apps. This is just AT and T screwing people over. Well, this is AT and T. What I was about to say is that this is AT and T doing what they've been doing, trying to sl- lower their debt. HBO Max only exists because AT and T was like, "We'll get more money if we make an app. If we make this app, HBO Max." Yeah, yeah. by screwing people over in the process. That's what yeah. they do. I feel like that's what they do best. I the people at Warner Brothers or the people at AT and T, they. They bought something thinking, oh, this is going to be the biggest moneymaker. And it's gone, and by the sounds of it, it's biting them in the ass every which way they turn. And the way they think that's, oh, this is how we're going to fix it, it keeps biting them in the ass. Because if I was if I had a satellite service and I was able to, like, say I missed Game of Thrones and I did, wasn't able to watch the Encores, but I could watch it on HBO now. And then, like, hey, and they say, oh, but if you want the HBO app, you still have to pay for it. If you want HBO Match, you still have to pay for it. It's like, well, I'm not paying twice for the same damn thing, so screw you. I'm just going to cancel my HBO thing completely. And just by looking at what HBO Max is, or as of now, it's really not worth it. I thought about it, and then I'm like, nah. I was talking to Faye about one time, about buying my own HBO Max account. And then I was like looking through, and then uh, I think it's on here later about some other DC films that are getting off of HBO Max. The sole reason why some people wanted it in the first damn place. Talk about that in a minute, Ben. Yeah. So it's like, it's not worth it. That 15 bucks isn't even worth it anymore. I, I want to be clear. HBO Max, I think, if you were a person who was going to get HBO Now at all anyway, you wanted all those HBO shows and all the movies that end up on HBO even. So so you know how HBO, the channel, works. Movies get licensed to be on there for a few months, that kind of thing, after they come out in theaters like six months before or whatever. Yeah. You get all those on the HBO Now app, now on HBO Max as well. So you get movies that are beyond just their catalog because they're licensed to be on the channel mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time. 
So right. it actually gives you a pretty wide breadth of things. The crappy thing is that HBO Max does not make it clear. There is no good way to see how much you actually have access to as a person really? who has HBO Max. Mm -hmm. uh, they have made it very difficult, it, except for the HBO stuff. You go to the HBO Hub, it's basically like opening up the old HBO Now app. You can see all the HBO shows, and I mean HBO shows that have existed the entire time. So you have access to all of it the whole time. So I don't think the app is a total wash, but it's still growing. Give it a year. Yeah. Well, I, I want to be real quickly, Ben, you said that this is that they that they bought a company at a loss. That's not true. Well, no matter what, companies are going to be in debt. Disney has a little bit of debt from buying Fox. It always is going to happen because you're spending a hell of a lot more money than really anybody should have. Um, but when it comes to this, AT&T, AT&T doesn't know what they're doing owning a media company, a media conglomerate. So, they're, so what they're thinking of, they have a what have you done for us lately attitude. It's not that they're losing money. They've already lost the money. They're not continuing to lose money. They're just being like, Video games hasn't made us a billion dollars, gone. Comics haven't made us a billion dollars, gone. This hasn't made us a billion, gone. It's not biting them in the ass. They're just taking a, a hatchet to everything because they're just trying to make back their money. They're like, and it's working. It feels like they're scared of anything. Um, can I can I bring up a, a little thing about AT and T and HBO Max that really like it set a whole lot of people who care about this stuff. They're right the way pissed off. Um, AT&T came out, I don't remember if it was this week or the week before, but they came out and said HBO Max will not uh, be subject to data caps through the AT&T service. So if you have AT&T, no data caps to worry about, which everybody sat there and went, you just literally proved that data caps don't need to exist. You just do it to ratchet up people's prices. Yep. So everybody like lit up about that. They're like, you're just... Ooh, ooh, AT&T, ooh, because also AT&T is also notoriously the worst in the country about handling data caps. And this is more of a problem for like people who live in much more rural areas where they're trying to work with AT&T. Data caps are a monster. And they just established to everyone, by the way, these don't even need to be there. All right, anyway, bring it right back around to DC. Uh, DC Universe has canceled DC Daily. Um, they're claiming it was too difficult to get the show recorded because of the pandemic. Um, this is after 400 episodes. They're canceling this one. This one. This has been mainstay since DC Universe launched. It's kind of their That's new show. So um, every single other media company in the world has figured out a way to make shows except for DC. Okay, I believe you. I was I definitely believe that. Before, I was eating my lunch and I saw an episode of the game grumps i'm like okay i'm just gonna click on it very first thing they said is that we're doing this remotely we're not in the same room dan is at home aaron is at home but we're still talking and playing video games together if you, and what it's like DC, what dc daily does is is no kind of different than what we do just on a much bigger grander scale right like they, yeah. they talk about dc stuff on a daily basis you could do that exactly what you're doing here like Every like I this they canceled it because they DC that that streaming service is dying. That thing is going away. This was just the coronavirus was probably an excuse to do it. It sounds like an excuse. The coronavirus has become a convenient excuse for most of AT and T's decisions. Yeah, it has. Yeah, and I can't wait till the next John Oliver episode where he talks about where he badmouths AT and T and says, "Oh, you thought I was done business, Daddy? You thought I was?" 
I was gonna be a good little boy? No! This is daddy, yeah. Like, every, like, IGN, I still listen and watch all their live shows and stuff. They're doing what we're doing. Just, again, they have better equipment. Every company that does a type of daily show is, every, Jimmy Fallon, Stephen Colbert, they're doing it from their homes. This is Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah. There is no, there is no excuse. This is is a a bad excuse. Freaking, uh, The Late Show was uh, Seth Meyers. Every, every media show is still on the air in some capacity. Yeah. Except like for that, because they just like, like the cut. I freaking love watching Stephen Colbert like talk with his son every once in a while when he's doing his show. Seth Myers is doing it from his attic and sometimes his kids come out of the little tiny oh, doors and around. It's so adorable. Every other show has found it's I feel like Jeff Goldblum's like shows will find a way. Well yeah, yeah. I mean look, for DC. I mean look, Netflix did a Tiger King special. Dude, they did that thing in like a week. Like yeah. they totalized on it. Like again, this is just an, an excuse to get to the show. Some, DC Universe is dying. That's all yeah. it is. DC Universe Some, is dying, and it's I love it's you. A waste. Thank you for Swamp Thing. It's like it's like I, I love I I love you, but sometimes I really hate it when you're doing stuff like this. Speaking uh, going back to HBO uh, and DC, uh, as been alluded to uh, prior, several DC films are leaving HBO Max come July first. These titles include. Batman, Batman Returns, Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, Catwoman, Jonah Hex, The Losers, The Lego Batman Movie, Batman v Superman, Donald Justice, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, and Justice League. So, no, 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 hold up, hold up, Brian, hold up, hold up. Why? (laughs) Why? You just announced, as a huge, huge selling point for HBO Max, the Snyder Cut is coming to HBO Max. The Justice League Cut you've always wanted is going to be here in 2021. Yeah. But we're going to sweep away everything else. No, it's it's not that. It's not that. So you didn't read the rest of the you didn't read the rest of the article. So what this is is Warner Brothers' way of doing something dumb. But no, it is they're going to be replacing those films with other DC movies. Everything on DC Universe, and they will continue to rotate movies every month. What is this Overwatch? No, that's the thing that right. That's the thing that I don't understand. The point of having a curated streaming service for your entire company, HBO Max, Disney Plus, is to keep them on there for all time. Like, yeah. I don't understand why you've just been like, we'll vault this. We're going to take I, these off this month and then put these on next month. I think they're doing it to run out licensing contracts. Could be. I think that's what it is. But like, like where those films are licensed other places, yeah. I think they're just trying to run out whatever those contracts are. And when that's done, everything will just be on HBO Max. It just yeah. it, it doesn't make sense because that thing just launched like a couple weeks ago, right? And mm-hmm. you watch that ad, what's plastered all over it? It's, it's Justice League. It's, it's Wonder Woman. It's Suicide Squad. It's Joker. It's Joker. Is Joker taken off too? No. No? Okay. So cool. We have Joker. Great. Since we live in a society, but like, if you are getting HBO Max just now, after watch, you can go and watch that YouTube ad right now. And you're like, oh, cool, HBO Max is out. Like, I don't pay attention to the news. Whatever. You go and watch Justice League, getting excited for the Snyder Cut. It's not there. Uh, that was my mind. To Ben's point, um, yeah, they are they are talking about the Snyder Cut. All these films will be on there by the time the Snyder Cut rolls around. Yes, because uh, that's so long but, ago. But, but doing this was- now is right. Doing this now is baffling. But the thing is, it does make sense because Warner Brothers owns HBO. They own all those movies. Stuff for like Netflix, and, and like they rotate stuff out because they don't own those. That's that that is perfectly acceptable. That's fine. I get that. But if you have your own streaming service, your own films that you own, cook everything, 
and you're just going to rotate them out? That's dumb. It's like, it's, the, it's like a Disney vault, but completely unwarranted or unnecessary. Yeah. Well, it's like if Disney did for Disney Plus, that they were like, okay, this week we have the, the original trilogy, and then we'll take those off and then put on the prequel trilogy, and then take those off and then put on Solo. Uh, we, can't, we can't live our lives according to the streaming services methods. No, you know what this sounds like? This sounds a lot. If this is, sounds like AT&T or, or whoever the hell decided to do this. Listen to Nintendo. What? AT&T. Okay, this is what AT&T, they heard what Nintendo was going to do when they launched their online service with the NES games, how originally when it first came out, they said that they're going to rotate games for a month and they weren't going to stay on there. And they heard, and then they apparently AT&T listened to the point up until people got mad because Nintendo, as we know, changed it and made it so whatever's on there stays there. Games are not leaving. They're only adding more games. Whereas AT&T is like, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Keep people interested. Let's rotate stuff out. I guess I think this is their version of the Disney Plus. You know, when it launched, it's like, here's National Treasure two. Just watch it. But National Treasure one, hang on. We got this is the date that National Treasure will be here on the service, and that's a licensing thing. And I think that this is just their way of working around it. And I, I, but I don't know that for sure. I just think that. But again, it's not that shocking as a person who has had DC Universe and watched uh, have an entire catalog suddenly disappear the next day and then a couple films from it reappear the next week. Uh, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. They don't. Um, the Academy Awards has changed their guidelines. Did you want to say Yeah, I was going to say that. I just, it, is, it remains baffling how Warner Brothers owns so many things on Cartoon Network, on uh, Adult Swim, on all these things, and yet the collection that they have put on HBO Max is so small, so small, uh, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I want to bonk them up time the head, but I can't. All right, so the Academy Awards have changed their guidelines uh, in response to the national protests and uh, George Floyd and things like that, and you know, highlighting uh, uh, black uh, filmmaking. So they've changed their guidelines to 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 add more inclusivity. Uh, we've seen Ava DuVernay was just recently uh, invited into the to the Academy, uh, so they are clearly inviting more people. Um, they are going to extend the Best Picture category, shocking, to ten. Back to ten. I, did, I didn't know it was ever not at ten. Yeah, they moved it. They moved it. See, it, they've gone back and forth for years because The Dark Knight was a big pillar. People were mad that it wasn't nominated and all that stuff. So, like, it, it, I feel like it changes every year. No joke. Like, but it used to be 10, and then it wasn't, then it wasn't, then it wasn't. And now so, it's... I mean, it was always five. Yeah. And then it was... And then it was Two, 10, 10. And then eight. And, now, and then now back to 10. For a couple yeah. of years, it was... You could nominate up to 10. And that's why people were mad. Where why is there only seven nominees and like Green Book's like the winner? Like there's yeah. other movies you can pick. Boy, people are mad about Green Book now. <laughs> oh yeah, they were mad before, but they are mad. Boy, now. it's like watching the hell. No, thank you. Uh, okay, uh, they will limit its governors to a maximum of twelve years. So the people who run the academy will be able to be phased out for new people every twelve years. Governors, ooh. Uh, new representation and inclusion standards. Don't know what that means. Uh, that is verbatim, by the way. I did not paraphrase. Uh, like white people. Um, annual unconscious bias training will be mandatory for all. Okay. Uh, films will be screened. That's, that's yeah. the thing. What you just said, that's the kind of thing I was trying to talk about with Hartley Sawyer earlier. 
Ah. Um, Unconscious training, shit like that. Anyway, sorry, that's the that was the phrasing I was looking for and couldn't find. That's I why see. I jumped on that, sorry. Uh, films will be screened on a quarterly basis through the Academy streaming site to ensure all voters watch the films. Basically, they're... You go ahead. So basically what that means is the Academy has a streaming service that you can, that you can use if you're an Academy member. Um, they're going to put all the Best Picture nominees, three at a time, uh, on, a, on there at a quarterly basis to make sure that if you vote for it, you've seen it. So they're going to monitor who's seen it. This is to stop the whole the problem with the voters, which is they just no, they, nobody watches the damn movies. I don't understand one. Like you want you choose to be on this uh, on this like uh, on this group of people who get to see movies and rate and like uh, review them right for the Oscars right. You choose that, and then you choose not to review the movies that you're ch- that you chose to do. I don't understand it. This is a whole the whole thing is about voting for movies and you don't see the movies. It's just how does how does anything work at the Oscars? It boggles my mind. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, it's something else that bothers me is that you can choose not to have watched all of them. Yes. And I feel like you That's... shouldn't be able to pick the best picture among the batch if you haven't given at least all of them a watch. That's what I that's what I was trying to say. Or that. at least a try. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I thought that was me being a uh, a young ignorant man with hopes and dreams. That's how I thought things were done. The best well, picture mommies, you have to see them all. Understand, Ben. Understand, Ben, that until the streaming service thing comes in, there's no way to enforce that. You know, right. prior to internet and streaming services existing, so there was no need to change the rules. They're still, they're still adapting to that uh, mentality. It just feels like we're at the point where that should be required, where you shouldn't be able to say, "Oh, I watched my one, my one uh, race movie, which was Green Book, and I don't need to watch any of the others." Yeah. Black Klansman. Yeah. Right. We shouldn't be there. The Green Book seems more to my palate. I'm not going to watch Black Klansman, so I'm not going to consider it. Yeah. That shouldn't be the way it works. Nope. Yeah. At this point. Um, did you guys see that people are trying to, to cancel Adam Driver for his scene in Black Klansman? No. No, because it's... that sounds stupid, so it clearly didn't get the traction it needed to reach me. Mm-hmm. It was really messed up. It was just like... Uh, there's a scene in Black Klansman where he's yelling, and it's like, hmm, I heard the script. This was this was improvised. He seems a little too angry to not believe it. <laughs> well, this actor doing his job seems a little too actorly. Yeah, and yeah. Steven Spielberg killed dinosaurs to make Jurassic Park. Oh, that's the best. Yeah. Oh God, I forget right. that people like that are exist in this world. Oh, I have man. a shirt to commemorate it. I know uh, you do. I know segment, you do. This segment is called Books and Shit. Oh. Uh, DC Comics. Uh, we'll start with uh, they are ending the comic book series Shazam at issue 15 written by Jeff Loveness what, wait was he writing it? nope he was wait, a fill-in what? writer okay he was a fill-in writer to fill in because Jeff was Jeff needed a, a, to, to get caught up how many issues has he been writing? didn't he uh, call this a while back that it was there, there were rumors that it was getting canceled when it didn't show up because it was delayed. And Jeff has been delaying the book so much because he was working on Doomsday Clock and uh, Three Jokers. Yeah. Um, but then he was back on back on track, and it was clear, like, no, 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 Killing Zone's coming. I'm finishing. What I think this is is he's finally quit. You think so? I think so. Now that Three Jokers is approaching, getting being done, I I I believe it. I believe yeah. it. I, I think that. I don't think they care about having a Shazam book if he's not writing it. And he's finally said, 
Done. I'll tell you what, uh, no offense to Jeff Jones or Shazam, but I love Jeff Loveness, so I'll, I, it makes me want to read that last couple issues. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, he did, he did the Jeff Loveness, I think, is filling in, has filled in twice for Jones. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Man, I, man, that's going to be the next, you know, like when Ben is coming to DC, whatever Jones does is going to be big, big boy news. Yeah, I think so too. If that happens soon. That'd be that'd be wild. You think he'll switch to Marvel? I I I just want it because that would do so much to the industry. It would just change the industry on such a level because they both been the same company for twenty years and like switching is just what seems right. Um, and I would just love to see what he what his take on these characters. Would was. you Would you rather Johns go to Marvel or would you rather he go indie? He doesn't seem like an indie guy. He honestly like, and that's not a bad thing. Like some people like he just really seems to love the mainstream stuff. Um, I don't think he's ever made an independent comic book. I, I don't think so either. I was thinking yeah, about I, that just now. Again, that's not a bad thing. Like, like I like I love my superheroes. And like, if I got yeah. paid to write Superman, I'd want to write Superman. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's an indie guy. I think he is a, a comic book. Uh, I wonder if that's still true now. Yeah. So I, I was thinking, so I was thinking about this and I was talking to TK Comics about this, um, right. that with John's leaving, with supposedly John's leaving, and Snyder, after Death Metal, taking a much smaller role in, in the DC universe, uh, I think the DC universe will be creatively controlled by Bendis as a whole. And I think now, now that Didio has gone, the 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 fighting for control between the three of them will be done, and Bendis will just—he'll be the Jonathan Hickman, he'll be the the Brian Michael Bendis, he'll be yeah. the Jason Aaron, the one people like running the world, running the universe. I I I, I wish I were excited about that. Are is Jim Lee? Do Jim Lee and Brendis, or do they get along? Like, do they seem to be like, like simps? You know what I mean? Like, because like, I, wonder, I wonder if it would be like both of them working together, or because like, because I, I don't think Jim Lee is gonna just like Bendis do everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think what's happening is, and like, I don't mean like everything, but like the 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 creative direction of everything. Like Jeff yeah, Johns yeah. Con- creatively controlled the DC universe through Blackest Night. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and J- Jonathan Hickman creatively controlled the Marvel universe to, through Secret Wars. So I what it. I think is what I think is happening is. Bendis has inherited 5G. Whatever so, 5G is becoming, he has it. I was going to say, I got to say, if 5G is going to move forward, Bendis probably is the best person for it. Because Bendis' uh, like most excellent things lately have been the introduction of characters like Riri or Miles Morales. Yeah. When he gets to do, uh, do brand new like, takes on characters... We have to talk about that because DC does not give a shit about Naomi, apparently. Right. Like, she's not even in, she's not even on the cover of Young Justice anymore. Like, that's, what's up with that? Yeah. Um, But I mean, like, if if they are going to push forward that 5G narrative, I don't know that there's anybody at DC better suited to bring in new generation types of characters. Yeah. That's where he shines. He shines. So, well, did you see the Dan Didio interview that he did where he clarified that 5G was never supposed to introduce new characters? Yeah, I, I did see that. But I, I wonder how much that is what, what Dan wanted it to be and then what the company wanted it to be. Yeah. And where mm-hmm. the two will meet. All I'm saying is, like, if it, when we read the synopsis of what 5G was, if that is the motion of things still, Bendis seems like the right guy to fly that ship right now. Bendis writes uh, groups of teens and groups of young people very well. And, I, uh, introduces, and introduces uh, newer and more diverse characters. Yeah. Better than most. Yeah. Better than most. I would, uh, yeah. I would really like to see those 5G 
those 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 generation comics, those one shots come back because I, I was into those. Yeah. Not and so much five G after it, but like that that was fun to me. Again, like if if, if the well, I'm broke too. Okay. If the let's say the Dan the Dio version of five G, where it is all the characters that we like, like it is it is Tim Tim being Robin or excuse me Tim being Batman and Cassie being Wonder Woman, like all the like all the characters that we want to see evolve into those characters. If that's what it is, I'm cool. But the rumors were it was a bunch of like new people or characters that shouldn't be those characters. So like I guess we'll never really know. But he but as like far I as said, right, Bendis is the guy for that. Like if they're said, doing it. If they're doing it, if it's still coming, I think Bendis has control of it. And from the next couple of years, Bendis will be in control of the DC universe creatively. Yeah. That, that can be good. It can be. Because like his his stand at Marvel, like it it he he is there is a legacy behind him. Yeah. Uh, like, well, I, and I think he's, I think he may have lost touch, to be fair. Uh, that's me being harsh because I don't like a Superman or anything he's written at DC so far. But he, uh, he also can get good creators to do different things. So there are also, he's, he's really Jimmy good Olsen, friends with creators. Greg yeah. Rucka's Lois Lane, like all his friends are here. So that means Matt Fraction and Greg Rucka will be writing other DC Universe books soon. And that's only a good thing. Yeah. yeah so, he, I mean, there could be good runs still in the universe, even if I don't like the direction of whatever that next event's going to be. It's big Leviathan or whatever. Yeah. Um, all right, Detective Comics is coming to uh, coming to another landmark. Sorry, I just want to touch on real quick. We also don't really know how much of it Bendis, not to put too fine a point on it, I'm not saying he's blameless, but I mean, we don't know how much control he really had of guiding Leviathan as much as it being something that was wanted of him. Yeah. I don't know. He's talked about having complete creative control over his stuff. That's not always true. That's not always true. I'm just saying, like, I don't think Bendis went to DC and suddenly got terrible. No, no I don't think so. I think his, I think the past couple of years hasn't been very good. Sure. From Bendis. And I mean, I'm not talking about this. He did Civil War II, and I think Civil War II is crap. That's true. I mean, I, I grant you. I, I grant that. I grant that. That's fine. Um, so, I like, I, I think but that he's... Fine. But at the same time, he was writing other things that were good, like like Ironheart. Um, what was I saying? I, I just think that that he, uh, they AT and T spent too much money on Bendis to reel him in. They spent a ton of money on him and have talked about how much of a financial risk that was and how much that went involved in firing Dan Didio. Mm-hmm. I think they they put too much money on him and just said, "Do whatever you want. We need to make this worth it." Yeah. Um, all right. So anyway, sorry. I want to get back to the Ben. What do you think about Johns? Do you think he'll go to Marvel? Do you think I'm, he'll be or which do you want him to do? Also, Brandon, I just noticed you putting the Fake Nerd Podcast logo in here. That's a nice touch. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, isn't it, is it glorious? Ah, ah. Okay. Uh, Johns at Mar- my gut is telling me Johns might jump ship to go to Marvel. I'm trying to think of what Marvel, what kind of Marvel character or team or book Johns will write. I'm also trying to think if I was going to ask if Johns ever written, has yes. written for Marvel before. Yes, he's written in Marvel before in the early 2000s. He wrote an Avengers run. Okay. That's something I should probably look into. Um, he's never shown love for the Marvel characters like he has the DC characters, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's why I knew that part of it, which is why my instinct is like, I think that coupled with the fact that from an outsider perspective, it seems like he's kind of been hammered by the corporation side of 
working in a oh, big, is he going to turn into a recommender? This is what I'm wondering. Yeah. This is what I'm wondering if he's just going to go off on his own, create create a universe, but create his own universe. Yeah, you could you could do that too. Uh, there are times like when we were talking about how Jeff Johns is like constantly fighting for like he was having a whole, he had a hell of a time trying to get Doomsday Clock out. He's been going back and forth with Shazam, which is a character he loves. And uh, just uh, the War of the Seven Seas. Yeah, War of the Seven Seas. That was all. Dumb. How much don't, has been taken from him? That's my don't point. Don't do that to me. How much has been taken away from him as a storyteller? Yeah. I just don't know that he's, like, regardless of the fact that Marvel might treat him better, I don't know if he's ready to go back into that yeah. environment. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he's at a point where he's like, I want to yeah. be in control. Really yeah. in control. Yeah. Like, just hearing all this the stuff that Jeff Johnson is going through, mm. I feel like this guy just needs to take a vacation for a while. Yeah. Just take a break. Get to just, like... Just like lay some roots down, just veg out for a bit, and then if he wants to come, like if he, I will have no qualms of him going to Marvel. I would miss him at DC because I love how he writes DC characters, but he's getting a lot of shit at DC now, and it sucks. So if yeah. he goes to Marvel, and if Marvel wants to play ball, cool. If he wants to go create his own stuff, cool. Just I want to, I like it. I feel like when writers get to do what they love and what they know that they're doing is a passion of theirs, the good stuff comes out. His first Aquaman run spectacular of the new 52 his justice league run i really enjoyed not the best but i really enjoyed i think that book and, ends really strong uh oh, justice league it ends so much better than it starts 100 the dark side war yeah yeah, yeah I, I should probably pick up the dark side War. i can't believe i stopped by and that's besides the point but just when johns does good shit it's really 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 good but he could like doomsday clock even though doomsday clock was went through a hell of a production cycle it was still really freaking good. I really freaking enjoy it. So I just feel that if after this, he should take a break, and then wherever he goes, just let him do his thing. That yeah. that's my that's my point of view. And if he leaves, if he leaves. Um, all right. So Detective Comics is coming up on a major land landmark again. Detective- say, yeah, again. And Detective Comics number one thousand and twenty-seven. Not to chip uh, my own horn, but I think I remember saying something about this back when they were talking about one thousand, just one thousand. One of either you or Sparks did, but yeah, um, this is going to be a one hundred and forty-four page special, basically a trade. Um, it's going to have creative teams of Greg Rucka, Eduardo Riso, Grant Morrison, Chris Burnham, Tom King, Walt Simonson, James Tini the Fourth, Riley Rossmo, Peter Dutomasi, Brad Walker, Dan Jurgens, Marv Wolfman. No. Bill Sankowitz, no, it's Emmanuel, Emanuela Lupacino. Yeah, okay. Brian Michael Bendis, David Marquez, uh, Mariko Tamaki, Dan Mara, yeah, Scott Snyder, Ivan Reese, Kelly Shadokonik, John Romita Jr., Klaus Jansen, Matt Fraction, and Chip Zdarsky. I recognize every single one of those names. That's going to be a great book. Not, not, not worried about it. I recognize a good chunk of those names. Chip Zdarsky is one I was like, really? Yeah, this will be dropping on September fifteenth of this year. So. Okay, cool. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably pick it up. I mean, it's nice yeah, it's got a good team. Well, also you... also because it's the actual one thousandth issue of Detective Comics with Batman in it. Yeah, uh, you honestly had me at Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham coming back together. Uh, that's they're they're iconic. Like I love everything I talked about before. Morrison's Batman stuff is my favorite Batman stuff, uh, and just them coming back together, even for a couple pages. Good enough for me, baby. I'll buy it. Yeah, the 37,000th issue looked like a joke. (laughs) Uh, Hellblazer 
uh, Hellblazer Rise and Fall is coming to the Black Label from Tom Taylor and Derek Robertson. Yeah, baby. That's the boys' uh, artist. Yeah. Uh, The solicitation reads, In Hellblazer Rise and Fall, a new three-issue miniseries by Tom Taylor and Derek Robertson launching this September, a billionaire mysteriously falls out of the sky and is gruesomely skewered on a church spire. Even stranger, they have angel wings attached to their back. More bodies soon follow, raining death and causing widespread panic. Detective Aisha Bukhari is a stumped is sorry is stumped by the phenomenon until she's visited by her childhood friend, occult investigator John Constantine. DC's Hellblazer soon discovers a link between the falling elite and a shocking moment in his and Aisha's misspent youth. How do these killings tie to the first act of magic ever committed by John Constantine? How does this involve heaven and hell? Thirty years later, Constantine's no stranger to, su- to supernatural threats and hard pressed to consider stopping any monster who haunts a nation by killing the most corrupt among its citizens. Thirty years later, this is old man Constantine, baby. Yeah, this is. I love it. I'm so excited. Yeah, this sounds yeah. awesome. I'm super yeah. into it. Uh, so Tom Taylor has written Constantine before. I'll be back. P time. Yep. Oh yeah. So uh, Tom Taylor has written Constantine before. I believe we've all read it in Injustice. That's the only time he's written Constantine. He has written and in Deceased. Yes, in Deceased. So um, he has a little bit of history. I did see online there are some people who aren't the biggest fan of his interpretation of, of um, Constantine because he's a little more Doctor Strange than he is John Constantine Hellblazer. He's way more with the with the weapons and, and the magic than he is like you know uh, talking his way out of shit. So mm-hmm. I can I can see that, but I personally don't have a problem with it because the real Constantine hasn't been around for a long time. So, sorry, John, that's just how uh, Hellblazer is now. It's PG thirteen. It's not rated R. Um, so now that this is a, a black label book, that means it can be rated R, and he can do he can be his old shitty self. Uh, sounds great. I love Tom this Taylor. This is what the this is also kind of what the Sandman Hellblazer book was trying to do. It was bringing yeah. back old man Constantine and kind of bringing it to its roots. Yeah, uh, I only read that first issue when it came out. Uh, it's still going on, and uh, uh, I think Sparks is still reading it, or he has been reading it. But um, it, it's it was good. It was good. Yeah, I'm definitely stoked for this one. Yeah, me too. Uh, okay, so Dark Knight's Metal, Dark Knight's Death Metal wouldn't be a DC event without a ton of tie-ins. Oh boy! Uh, and they have announced three this week. Uh, the first one is called Trinity Crisis, written by Scott Snyder, with art by Francis Manipal. Good team. Hell yeah. With Superman freed from his new apocalypse prison, the classic Trinity lineup is back together and ready to rock their next gig. Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman amp up their, their power to launch an assault on Castle Bat. And that's just the warm-up act. Three walking nightmares are hidden deep inside the fortress, but these dark multiverse versions of the Anti-Monitor, Superboy Prime, and Darkseid hold the key to humanity's survival. The Justice League have to face down their old nemeses, but will round, but will round two be the, be that of, of our heroes. So, alternate universe Darkseid, or anti, or or dark, or dark universe, or dark multiverse energy infected, like uh, like Jim Gordon was. Oh, I got you. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I liked all those tie-ins from the last book. So if it's kind of just more of those, just dealing with more of the dark multiverse creatures and whatever, I'm down, man. Scott Snyder yeah. knows what he's doing. Uh, the second one is Multiverse's End. This is my most anticipated. I'm super stoked for this. Uh, so Dark Knight's Death Metal, Multiverse's End. Written by Joshua Williamson with art by Juan Gideon. Uh, Perpetua, mother of all existence, has called all life and creation in this multiverse condensing all beings to one planet earth prime in her quest for power to dominance the she rules absolutely and in totality using her children the monitors and the anti-monitors as her heralds and destructors 
but a group of, of heroes is banded together across the multiple worlds in a last-ditch effort to stop her from destroying all of existence. Owlman, President Superman, Iris West, Captain Carrot, Guy Gardner, and others choose to make their final stand in a battle they're destined to lose. Wow. Yes! President Superman, me. Captain Carrot. Yeah, anytime you get Carrot Man in there. That's uh, Calvin, uh, what's his last name? Coolidge? President Superman? President Coolidge, I think, yeah. Yeah. Man. Man, I got... Hey, I think wait, I, Calvin Coolidge is this is the Superman in this one? Calvin Coolidge of old president? No. Calvin Coolidge is a real person, you guys. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah I, I don't remember. I only know as President it's Superman. It's a Val Zod. No, no, Val Zod is... Val Zod is the Tom Taylor introduced or to Superman. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, because Ryan, you're right. It is Cal- it is Coolidge. It's pro- it's Calvin oh, Rack. Hold President up. President Superman is from Earth 23. Yeah, Earth 23 Superman. Hold up, I'm looking it up. Um, but this one, right, right. this this title brings back together what the multiversity introduced, which was the the kind of the Justice League of the multiverse. And I'm, we'll get so two things. The next the next one is is also about this, but. The fact that DC hasn't done a Justice League of the Multiverse book, Ellis Calvin Ellis, Calvin that's Ellis. his name. The fact that that DC yeah. hasn't do, hasn't done a a uh, Justice League of the Multiverse with President Superman, Captain Carrot, Iris West, Flash, like all those characters, Aqua Girl, um, Atomic Batman, like you can you can have a title just that and it'd be ongoing and that'd be awesome. Just them solving the multiverse's Justice League crisis. So. They've just been waiting for Bendis to get to it, man. Yeah, there you go. Morrison should be writing it. Yeah. No, no, no. They, Bendis. So uh, Marvel had this comic come out in the 80s, and it was called Exiles. It's about a bunch of multiversal people protecting the multiverse. And I'm like, They yeah, relaunched well, it. Yeah, mul- like 500 times over 30 years. I'm surprised it really took DC this long to do this kind of book, yeah. Well, Multiversity introduced these characters as kind of this uh, in the House of Heroes, and I really like the concept that Multiversity 2 was supposed to go more into that, but who knows what that book is anymore. Right. Um, but he uh, but he clearly had the idea that, and they've popped up. Snyder used them. Um, they've, they've shown up. So I really wish that they would just have an ongoing title where it just bounces around the multiverse. Talk about, yeah. like, they talk about, like, there's multiple ori of worlds, so this multiverse isn't the only multiverse. And like, think of like a Doctor Who comic, man. Yeah, yeah it'd be awesome. Yo, I um, will not lie, Brandon. I think it's because of you that every time I see uh, Captain Carrot pop up somewhere, I'm like, oh, hey, it's Captain Carrot. And fans I love like, Carrot. who? I really like Captain Carrot. That's There's an issue of convergence where Captain Carrot fights Harley Quinn and gets poisoned. Yeah. Man, All those right. tie-ins are way better than that convergence book. Yeah. Uh, the other one that I'm excited for is called the Dark Knight's Death Metal Speed Metal, written by Joshua Williamson, with art by Eddie Barrows and Eber Furiera. Furiera. Sorry, I can't. Um, my, my mouth doesn't make those shapes. Um, it's the drag race from hell taking place after the events of Dark Knight's Metal Death Metal number three. The dark, the darkest night is after Wally West and his Doctor Manhattan powers. Thankfully, Wally has backup in the form of Barry Allen, Jay Garrick, and Wallace West. It's a, it's a knockdown, drag out race through the wastelands as the as the Flash family tries to stay steps ahead of the darkest night and his lightning nights. Mm. So I'm excited for this one because the other thing that I'm shocked that DC hasn't done in regards to a Harley Quinn and Ivy ongoing, a Just League of the Multiverse ongoing, is a Flash family ongoing. Yeah, like a speedster book. Yeah. Ghost Racers. Like a, I was thinking Ghost Racers too, but I didn't say it. I didn't say it. You're not wrong. 
I know. Uh, but, this, but a Flash family book. one specifically sounds so much like I'm, Secret Wars. I'm sorry. I haven't even read Secret Wars, and I saw all these announcements. I'm like, this is just Secret Wars. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, so the, the, the fact that DC hasn't done, like, family books, like, they do it with Batman and his family, but, like, do a show, do a comic book that's just called Speed Force and have it be the entire Flash family doing stuff together. Batman the whole... Superman had one. Yeah, like, why doesn't the Flash... Green Lantern has his whole core. Why can't Flash have a family book? Yeah, the fact that they won't do that is shocking. In fact, they keep trying to get rid of Flashes. Yeah, right? <laughs> that is a good point. I wonder if there is a his there is a history of, like, an old Flash family book or something that exists. Maybe. I, I want there to be, because I like the Flash family. They're really great. Yeah. They play off each other really well. And now that Jay Garrick's part of the universe again, like, do it. Nice. Yeah. All right, speaking of Secret Wars, which is a Marvel event, we're going to talk about some Marvel comics. All right, cool. Iron Man is getting relaunched. We knew that Dan right, Slott... That's <laughs> <laughs> the joke because I'm the Iron Man guy. We knew that Dan Slott was leaving the book, but now we know that Christopher Cantwell is writing it with art by Cafu, C-A-F-U. He writes Doctor Doom, which is a great book. Uh... Armor designed by Alex Ross. Uh, this is what the solicitation reads. Tony is putting away his high-tech toys and high-profile image so he can get his hands dirty again. But can he really lay that, lay that stark-sized ego down? Life isn't always that simple. Something that old friends and frustrating foes and are quick to point out, if you strip a billionaire down to his bolts, does he run solid or just overheat? Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people don't know what this means because they also released some teaser images of him suiting up in the old school way of like, like suiting up with his suitcase or putting the thing up his leg. Like it's like, it's elastic armor, like, like from the seventies. Right. So that's cool. But going back to basics for Tony Stark is means uh, him being a warmonger and being an asshole. And I don't, that's not what anyone wants from Tony Stark. We like that he's evolved. So I'm, I really hope, um, because again, this guy writes Dr. Doom, so he knows how to write a complicated person. I hope he doesn't turn Tony into the asshole he used to be because that would ruin like decades of character growth that I talked about earlier with him being an alcoholic. I hope that they don't just go back to basis to make him a drunk again, because that is not just uh, lazy. It is, it battles everything that people with alcoholism go through. And it's not cool to see that in the comics you read. What's I don't think that's I don't think that's what's happening here. I think what he, what they mean is we're just stripping away the the extra sci-fi and we're just bringing yeah. it back down to the we're just and grounding it a bit. We want it to be like when Nick Spencer started Spider-Man. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. It's 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 different with Tony Stark because his whole thing is about mm -hmm. technology. So I'm just very curious. Like I have faith in it. It's just the initial read. I'm just like, oh, how are you gonna do this? Because Tony's a very interesting guy and like. Going back to basics, like again, will his ego maybe, get in the way? That makes me sound like he's going to be battling his ego again. Maybe, maybe it's about him trying to rely on like tech that isn't AI internet based mm -hmm. as much, and maybe. him just like relying on him, him and his tech yeah. specifically with just his brains. Yeah, and thinking yeah. that 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 can be enough. So yeah, the way Doctor Doom starts, like there's a there's a impactful event that that is the reason that the Doctor Doom comic is the way it is. And it kind of turns Doctor Doom into a different character. And I'm curious if that is the same direction that this comic will go. Like they make him like he has to rely on his smarts instead of his just all his technology. Right. Um, so we'll could see. Could be like the Iron Man 3 of comics. It could be like the Iron Man. True, now you sold me, now I'm happy. Yeah. I'm just, I don't think I don't think they're undoing the alcohol stuff. I, really I hope, hope that if they are going to venture down that, it's more of him like hitting a low point and battling the like you never really stop being an addict. Yes. And if they is, were doing something like that, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, I just think, you know, this is a character that's near and dear to my heart, literally and physically, because I have an arc reactor tattoo. 
Um, and I haven't read Iron Man in like two years after I read that first arc. So I'm like, I would love to read you got Iron slotted. Man. I got slotted. You, you hate to get slotted. Um, okay. So some, some good news on the free comic book day front. I don't have a confirmation on this one from comic book retailers. However, Marvel did say that this is happening. So we'll see. Um, coming July, Marvel will release their free comic book day issues to the public to, to stores. Instead of waiting for free comic book day, whenever that would be, if ever this year, they're just going to release them. Um, so the two books, just to recap for, uh, for the audience are the FCBD 2020 X-Men number one feature stories written by Jonathan Hickman and Tom Taylor with art, with art by Pepe Larraz and even Coelho, which is to be, which is going to lead into 10 of swords, which is the next event coming in September. Uh, that was going to be, that's going to be July 15th and the FCBD 2020 Spider-Man Venom number one featuring stories by Donnie Cates, Ryan Stegman, Jed McKay, and Patrick Gleason. Hell yeah. We'll be we'll be dropping on Wednesday, July 20, 22nd. Um, it also was supposed to be the first appearance of a new Venom character, but now it might not be because, because it was delayed. Oh, um It's Virus. Virus. The new Venom villain was named Virus. What oh. timely character. That latest issue was so cool. Oh, I, I'm fine. Because it, it, there's a splash page of like everything that's coming. Oh, I, I did see that I online though. I hope there's some variant cover that features like the virus character just holding a Corona beer. Oh my god! Oh. I'd buy that. I'd buy it too. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's exciting. The the free comic book day issues are beginning to seep into the wild. Yeah. Um, Boom Studios has announced a new title coming from Al Ewing and Simon DiMeo. Called We Only Find Them When They're Dead. This yeah. sounds awesome. Let yeah. me read it to you guys. Captain Malik and the crew of the Vihan 2 harvest resources from the giant corpses of alien gods found on the edge of human space. While other autopsy ships race to salvage the meat, minerals, and metals that sustain the human race, Malik sees an opportunity to finally break free from his system by being the first to find a living god. But Malik's obsession with the gods will push his crew into danger at the darkest reaches of space unless the rogue agent on their tail, uh, on the on the down the tail, uh, can stop them first. Yeah, that sounds dope. Yep. I immediately thought of like, remember in Guardians of the Galaxy, there's a the big nowhere head, and this mm -hmm. like, oh, this is a story about one of those miners and the shit they go through. And I'm like, yeah. cool, this sounds awesome. And it's Al Ewing, who we just read a comic by, so you know he's great. Um, I'll buy any comic that dude puts out. Yeah, especially Cosmic. He Cosmic's great. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Star Wars. All right. Uh, from a certain point of view, from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back is coming. This is the second from a certain point of view book. Uh, 40 stories by 40 authors coming out November 10th. We do not know who the authors will, will be. They are going to announce that this coming week uh, proceeds from the book will be uh, given to the First Book Organization, which provides books and learning materials for educators and organizers who help children in need. Good. Has anyone read this book? The yes. first one? Yes. Yeah, good. Yes. Very good. Well, oh, nice. there are a lot of, uh, they're just really nice, they're really nice stories. Um, one of the very, the, the very first one, if I recall correctly, in, uh, in the New Hope book is the um, captain of the ship with Leia on it Antilles? from the beginning. Yeah. Antilles, and, uh, Wedge Antilles. And it, tells, and it tells the story of uh, of like him right up to the last moments. Nice. Uh, nice. 
it's a good it's a good one um it's it's just nice literally being these different perspectives on the story you know um and not in a way where it's like you know it's not fleshing out anything to like build some greater continuity it's just trying to give you a different perspective of a character a different point of view in the star wars world uh and i think that's that, that that's actually been a really nice unique little collection of short stories take uh, and i appreciate a lot excellent okay uh quick other shit uh the new evil dead movie is coming it's called evil dead now is the fourth evil dead film uh fifth if you consider if you consider the remake this time will be written and directed by lee cronin and will not feature uh uh ashley williams himself bruce campbell or or Jane Levy or Ashley Williams from the uh, the remake too. Jane Levy. Jane Levy. Jane Levy. Yeah, it will not feature her, but it will feature a new female antagonist. I'm protagonist. Okay. okay, sure. I'll wait it, and see if Sam Raimi wants to give him give it a little bit of love because, like, just hearing this, I'm like, eh, I got that show. That was good. Can, I, I don't know that there's any value in a new Evil Dead that doesn't follow either of those characters or have any of the creative team involved. Yeah, yeah. I, wouldn't, I won't disagree with that. Yeah. Like, if it's not Bruce Campbell, and it's not that really good Evil Dead remake it's good. that featured Jane Levy, yeah. and we're not following her still, I and don't really whole... know that I need to do it one more time with a new character. And also, like, I didn't I didn't exactly want it, but there was there was a shot-deleted ending scene where Bruce Campbell was there. Picked her up in a truck. Picked her up in a truck. So, like, they were going to make a sequel of both of them and combine the universes together. Um, and they didn't do that. And now I would have rather that. Yeah, and now they're just like rebooting it, not like starting over, but like do a reboot. I'm like, ah, I don't hmm. think you know that needs it again. The last one was real good. Uh, San Diego Comic Con has announced that they're going to do Comic Con at home this year. Uh, it will run online from July 22nd to, to the 26th, which would have been its dates no matter what. Um, plans for Comic Con at home is what they had to say. Plans for Comic Con at home include an online exhibit hall complete with everyone's favorite exhibitors uh, offering promotions, specials, and limited edition products unique to the celebration. As well, uh, Comic-Con at Home promises exclusive panels and presentations about comics, gaming, television, film, and a wide variety of topics from publishers, studios, and more. As if that weren't enough, Comic-Con at Home will also have a masquerade, gaming, and many other activities in which fans can participate from their own homes. Cool. Um, I thought they would do this. I thought sure. Um, yeah. It would be impossible to do in such short notes, but like to have like an online store of all the independent creators, and they can make like a little storefront for Comic Con, because then it'd be cool. If, like people just go to the Comic Con store and just buy the little merch like you do at Comic Con. But that would probably take way too much work between everyone involved for a month. Well, mainframe mainframe Comic Con did that. Did they really? They had an artist alley. Would you could go to their websites. You they, you could link to the websites. Then there's no excuse not to do that for a couple of nope. that, that sounds, that's amazing. That's cool. Yeah. No, I did like the little joke because when this was announced, I saw a little, um, like a little advertisement they did and they're like, and well, a little jab at themselves is like, no lines, no badges, everyone oh, yeah. put in. I was like, all right. It's cool yeah. that it's free. Like, it this is, is it really cool that, that people can go to. That yeah. Yeah. Um, the Mandalorian has uh, picked up Sam Hargrave, who recently directed the Netflix film Extraction, uh, oh, yeah. to direct an episode. 
yeah, he's a great uh, extraction. Was his first movie, and it's an action movie that he was like a stunt guy or whatever. Um, so cool, more good action directors. And the official Last of Us podcast has launched, which will go behind the scenes of the making of the first and second game. Uh, the second game will begin on July 7th, which is when they start diving into that. Yeah, uh, that game comes out in a week. Um, I'm I, not ready. I don't think I'm going to play it because it's really sad. <laughs> I'm not ready emotionally. Or did you mean... Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm excited for that game. Yeah. All right. Speaking of the PlayStation, we're here, guys. We are now at the PlayStation shit segment of our show. Um, we were going to talk about what basically so what happened was PlayStation did this online thing about an hour and 10 minutes. Really cool. PlayStation did their E3. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what it was. They just did their E3 conference. And they announced tons of new games. Tons of new games. But I want to talk about what do we think about the console? Because they also revealed the console. Um. I, I'm somebody who doesn't really care what a console looks like. Uh, I think it's very meme-worthy. So the fact that it's very meme-worthy means it's a good-looking console to me. <laughs> I like it, personally. I've always liked the white and black design uh, aesthetic. That damn Seto Kaiba meme got me laughing like an idiot for about five minutes straight. I had the uh, I, I saw the uh, the Eye of Saur- Sauron. Oh, really? You yeah. said that Cell one? Yeah, my favorite is the one where it's on Cell's head. Yeah. Oh, took that same concept and then uh, painted it so it looked like cells yeah. horns and I'm like man if that were a variant for like a fighter's bundle I'd buy that did you see, so fast did you see his Spider-Man one that he made Yeah, I did. oh man if that were real that would sell out in, a, in an instant oh my yeah. god mm-hmm. um, okay so how do we want to do this do we want to go with game by game or do we want to just talk broadly game by game because we're not going to talk about all of them in length uh, okay. I, think, I think the big ones we know what we're talking about yeah. right. so, this, so I'll just go down the list that I have here um, Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah. So um, you're probably going to play that game soon. Uh, I'm the only person who's played it. Uh, ben, you know Monster Hunter? Imagine yeah. a Western-made Monster Hunter. So it's uh, the action's a lot more fast-paced. Um, it's a lot more uh, kind of like almost like a third-person shooter, uh, but with bow, bow and arrow, and you make traps and stuff, and it's really Ooh. fun. Uh, beautiful. Uh, people have been waiting for this game for a long for the sequel for a long time. Uh, and it's a it's a PS5 reveal game. So oh yeah, uh, but, Horizon. I have heard nothing but great things about Horizon Zero Dawn. And it's a I'm actually, I would like, what was that? It's a dinosaur game, Brandon. Dinosaurs mm-hmm. made out of electronics you, mixed with nature. It is a post post apocalyptic game where the Earth is reclaiming after the war, and dinosaurs are mixed with robotics, and you ride on the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. Hi, oh, Mag. Hey, Mag. Uh, hey, I'm only Mag says I'm only I'm only ready Spider-Man Miles game and Odd World Soulstorm. We'll talk about those in a minute. Yeah. yeah, yeah Horizon, I mean, Horizon Forbidden West, uh, Forbidden West looks gorgeous. Yeah, you can buy the first game right now on the PlayStation for probably ten to fifteen bucks, and like the definitive one, the, like with yeah. all, the, all the DLC. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, that is a exceptional. That's like one of the best PS um, PlayStation exclusives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I regret waiting as long as I had to start it, but I'm I'm eager to get to it. Great game. Yeah. Um, what was something I wanted to ask about the PlayStation Five? No, visually, I, visually for Rise, uh, Horizon has Horizon. Horizon has looked like one of the most dynamic uh, uh, console exclusives yeah. that I've yeah. seen. Like the, the the art design is so broad. Yeah. So then they also revealed Spider Man Miles Morales. This yeah. is the follow up to the Spider Man PS4 game. It was a PS5 exclusive. 
However, nobody can quite make clear whether or not it's going to be a small game or an I mean, added a DLC. No, they, they, they've come out. We know exactly yeah. what it is. It's a standalone uh, game that's about 10 to 15 hours like Uncharted Lost Legacy. Uh, because there's no way you can make a fully-fledged Spider-Man game in less than two years. That's not how video games work. Uh, this game is going to come out probably on both no. PS4 and I don't PS4. think I don't think... I, I didn't know anybody, myself included, who assumed that this was a brand new Spider-Man game. There are a lot of people who think this is just a brand new Spider-Man when, game. When the tra- before the trailer had ended, that is what we thought. Yeah. But once mm. the trailer was over and it said it was coming out holiday this year, no, I did not think it was going to be uh, fully fleshed out. Yeah, they are using they are using the New York from the PS4 game. They are turning it into a PS5 game, and they're adding Miles' story to Miles' story to it. It's going to be yeah, it's not going to be as long as as the regular Spider-Man. It's going to be probably half the length. It's probably going to be either forty or fifty bucks too. It's going to be probably a budget game while we wait for Spider-Man Two, which is going to be the big boy, the big bad boy, because Insomniac is not just working on one game; they're working on two games. So now that both those games are going to be done and worked on, then they're going to work on Spider-Man, and we'll talk about that other game later. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited for it. I'm kind of sad because for such a small game, I don't want to have to buy a PS5. Um, I, I would not be shocked if it's also on the PS4. They're not just, they're just not telling us that yet. Yeah. I would, I would like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, like, sure I'm, is... I'm gonna buy the PS5, but I would like to wait, not have to. Yeah, right I, I'll, eventually I'm gonna get the PS5. Eventually, most likely that's gonna happen. But if Miles Morales is going to be uh, as a PlayStation 4 game as well as a PS5 game when it comes out, then hell yeah, I'll pick up the PS4 version instead. So a lot of people are, are thinking, because a lot of rumors have been coming out before this was announced, but um, that this is this is a, you know, it's going to be a great, awesome PS5 game. But the this, the the, net, the real Spider-Man 2, it's going to be you play bo- as both of them. You, it's a dual co-op experience. And if that's true, fuck you guys. I can't even imagine that. <laughs> We'll see. Oh, we'll see in about four or five years. So Spider-Man Two is called Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, think can, I really think it could happen. I'm okay um, with it. Probably the biggest fake out I saw was Resident Evil Village. Yo, yo, yes, give where, me. Where? Oh my, oh my God. Okay, so I had no freaking idea. That it was, I, I was thinking it was just gonna be another horror game. I didn't know what it was. I saw Village. I'm like, oh, cool, it's called Village. And then I saw the eight show up. I'm like, why is that an eight? It's like this Resident Evil. Oh, you mother- <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. Remember when we played Resident Evil 7 and your wife or girlfriend that you had to be head? You remember her hair, how her hair looked? The hair uh-huh. looked exactly like the blonde hair in this game. And it's the same looking uh, uh, like uh, CG and whatnot. So I'm like, oh, right, well, uh, and this has been rumored for so long. And once the werewolf stuff started happening, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Man, you know what? I, I haven't gotten seven yet, uh, but we, we played it for Halloween last year. And I had fun with it. It scared the sh- I got scared by my own damn shadow for crying out loud. That was so good. But, yo, yo, we got to play this for Halloween. Oh, but we're not, when it does come out, we got to play it for the Halloween where we can't. Um, well, a lot of people are, are, again, it's just the first trailer, but you sh- it, it's eight, and uh, it's half of that is four. People are thinking of Resident Evil 4. But you start in a village, and you go to a castle, and that's exactly what you do in Resident Evil 4. So this isn't, like a, this isn't a remake, but it's almost like a spiritual, another Resident Evil 4, uh, where you start in a village, and you work your way to the spooky castle with the spooky ladies who, who own the castle. And they're probably like crazy Jackula monsters and stuff. But I'm no like, Leon Candy and no saving the president's daughter, which I'm totally no, okay with. No saving the president's daughter. No but saving the president's Chris daughter. Redfield, Chris Redfield is back, and he looks he looks sad and and hang hungover. Um, 
freaks me the f out. I'm looking. I'm so looking forward to Village. Hell yeah! All right, probably my my most anticipated Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Yeah, oh, I've been a. On, I was sitting next to Ryan. I'm like, Brand's gonna be so happy. Yeah, he's gonna. Be I so love. Happy. I mean, I love the Ratchet and Clank franchise. The PlayStation Two, I had Jack and, every Jack and Daxter, every Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. I followed Ratchet and Clank to the PS3. Uh, I don't remember most of those games anymore, which is sad. I should go through them again. But the I've never played the remake, and this is a sequel to the remake. Yeah. So I'm really interested to go back through that remake. Watch this on your TV when you watch all these trailers. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I was saying, because this game looks insane. This whole game looks so beautiful, and like yeah. the stuff with the alternate realities pulling them in and like jumping between realities, it's like. This is you can only do we, this on new technology. We we watched we watched the conference, but we rewatched the Ratchet and Clank trailer, turning the high definition all the way up. Uh, and I think the Ratchet and Clank trailer, amongst all of these, did the best job of showing me what new console stuff is going to do. Yeah. Because it, it spent so much time with its gameplay, but I'm like, this feels like new console. Yeah. This feels like next generation stuff. Yeah. yeah. What because they're doing the different dimensions, I this was a bit of a. I don't know if it's just a bit of me hoping that Insomniac would make, maybe cut a deal with some other uh, gaming companies, but since they had to deal with Interdimensions, I was really hoping that the big reveal at the end instead of the of the, um, of the girl was maybe Sly Cooper, maybe Jack uh, and Dex, maybe Jack, because they're going to different dimensions. That's you being too hopeful. That's Yeah. But, but still, Rift Apart looks pretty damn good. I got a game for you. PlayStation All-Stars. Womp womp. Isn't that yeah? That's the that's the Smash well, phone. Kratos messing with your Sly and your Ratchet and Clank. You go to PlayStation All Stars, baby. Man, Nathan Drake fighting fighting Parappa the Rapper. That, man, what a what a terrific experience. Oh god, no, I never played Sly Clipper. I only played Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank. They're good. Those are fun. Yeah. yeah, I always wanted to. I had the collection for the first three for the PS3, but I just never got around to it. Yeah. All right, um, man. Uh, now that now that um, Insomniac is back making like super high definition um, Ratchet and Clank games, Naughty Dog should go back and make like a hyper realistic Crash Bandicoot and just like fuck oh, their mind. I don't, like, I don't think they own the rights to Crash. I don't think they own the rights to Crash Bandicoot anymore. I think that's Activision now. Um, I don't know because the last Uncharted game had Crash Bandicoot in it. So no, you're right. You're right. Yes, he did. Um, okay, Demon Soul remake. Take it away. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Ah! Okay, so Demon Souls is the very first Dark Souls game. Um, it's not called Dark Souls, but it, it laid the foundation for it, right? Um, and you, we've all played Jedi Fallen Order. You know what a Dark Souls type game is. It's really challenging combat um, that makes you get good. Um, God. This is the one that the least amount of people have played, including me, uh, because it was uh, the availability was really scarce, and it was a Japanese Japanese made game in America, so just nobody knew about it. When they made Dark Souls, Dark Souls got really popular, so then Demon Souls became retroactively more popular. But that game is uh, almost non-existent; it's hard to buy now. So this is a remake from the guys who made the Shadow of the Colossus remake, and Ben, you know how great that remake is. Yes, I do. Have made like the last decade. They they are like the remake people. They've remade a bunch of games, um, and this game looks no different. This is a from the ground up like almost a, just a new game it looks like a completely different game it's so beautiful it's unbelievable like i you've seen some side by side imagery of it like it's for fans of the series like we thought i thought it was going to be a bloodborne there's rumors there's going to be a bloodborne remaster right but that game's brand new that came out a couple years ago uh the fact that it's demon soul shows that sony cares about its fan base 
because Demon Souls is like the long lost child that you that you want you can't find, and you found them with Google Maps, and and it's got HD remake, and it looks great in multiplayer. Um, I'm just so excited. I am so excited. The world's excited. Ever ever since um, Fallen Order was fun, I fell in love with Dark Souls Three. I'm going to most likely get the the Dark Souls remastered game probably. Because now I like dark. I love Dark Souls. I love the gameplay. I love the challenge. It doesn't make me. It doesn't make me want to chuck. It's 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 fun. It's really fun. I only knew Demon Souls by name and by association. Now that I found out that they're remaking it in HD for the PlayStation Five, it's just it's. I'm fried for Futurama. Shut up and take my money. Just just uh, here so it is. Give me Demon Souls. One of the things. So Demon Souls. Uh, obviously, a lot of these games are unforgiving. But Demon Souls was ultra unforgiving because it had a thing called world tendency and it, it the more you died in your world the harder the game became so how how shitty is it that if you're a new player to this game the worse you are the harder it is so it you have to get double good and that's a that's the thing that makes demon souls really controversial because like it's impossible to get good when you keep making it harder but that's one reason people love the game so people are wondering if they're going to do like a quality of life make the game better, use some of the newer combat and stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Make it as hard as it was before. We don't, don't, don't sugarcoat it. Give us that gravy. Give us that hard gravy. I want the gravy. That's all. I know you do. <laughs> uh, okay. Death loop. This looks interesting. This is oh, yeah. uh, if you die, you start back from one. You keep trying to kill, keep trying to kill this one dude. Uh, ben, Ben, and Ryan and I were really pumped when this was announced last year at E3. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. It's it's nice to see more of it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is uh, Arcane who made um, the Dishonored games, and if I'm again the only person who's played the Dishonored games, but this is the exact same gameplay, like to a T, like the teleporting, the stabbing guys jumping off roofs. It's the same engine, just with multiplayer now, mm-hmm. uh, and that's great. These guys make fantastic stuff in uh, action games, so I'm I'm pretty excited. I love multiplayer. I'm excited to see how the multiplayer works because it kind of didn't really show it. I love the I love the aesthetic of the game. I love the aesthetic. I love the voice acting. I I love um, I just love how the trailer kind of made it look like an old '60s pop movie in a way, especially how stylized it was. But also, I just I like how it was blunt. Like I'm gonna die a lot, but I'm gonna try and take every one of these mother efforts with me. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, Sackboy. A big adventure. This yeah. is the new Little Big Planet, right? Yes, um, it's made by Sumo Studios because um, Mo- Media Molecule, the makers of Little Big Planet, have moved on to Dreams. Fun fact: Dreams is actually a game I was playing this week, but I forgot to talk about it. But uh, it's a game maker, much like Little Big Planet was a game maker. Um, this is just a platforming adventure with Sackboy. Um, it kind of takes away everything people like about Little Big Planet because it's about game making, and it just looks like a fun adventure. Um, I I don't know who really wants it. I guess if you like Sackboy. It's yeah, it kind of looks like their their version. It's obviously, uh, I had a point. What was what, what? I'm trying to figure out how to word it better. Um, I, I, I kind it, it looks like them trying to pull a Super Mario 3D World. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's a 3D platformer. They're trying to pull some love of Sackboy. I'm like, hey, this is kind of like our version of a Mario game, but yeah. it's not. But it's with Sackboy, and I I know there are I know there are people who love Little Big Planet who will live and die by those games. But I mean, it's cool. Sackboy's back, but I don't have a nostalgia for the game, so I'm not gonna really. I mean, it looks like a fun 3D platformer. The designs are cute, but besides that, I'm, I think I'll pass. Speaking of nostalgia for the game, Hitman Three, Ryan. 
Oh boy, this was such a surprise. Guys, Hitman has the best trailers because they always have that super cool synth music and people like dancing, getting murdered, walking and talking. Um, I didn't think this was gonna come out this soon. Um, I guess this is just gonna be more of like Hitman 1 and 2 just with better graphics. And that's not a bad thing because that gameplay- Dark that game, Forest. Dark Forest, yeah, uh, I did mention that. Yeah, like we haven't had like a spooky woods yet. Um, that ga The gameplay for Hitman is perfect. They don't need to change anything, honestly. They can only, they can add stuff to make it better, but it's perfect, you don't need to change it. Um, it's gonna look good. Um, the story in Hitman is actually really good. Uh, the story has always been kind of like really wacky and crazy, but they added uh, like a really good personal touch to this new trilogy of games. So I'm very, very stoked that I get to play a new Hitman in like in January. That's so that's six months away. Like I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, Ghostwire Tokyo. Mm. Boy, this is not the game nope. I thought it was going to be based on the nope. from last year. Boy, how? Nope. Um, it is. Ooh. Not that I'm upset. No, no. It it, it, just, it looks. I need more. Mm. Oh, I don't. Okay. Ready to go first. And hand stuff looks very good. I'm just gonna say it. I don't think it looks very good. The excuse me. Um, <laughs> Tango Games, who made Evil Within, they they got atmosphere and stuff down. So I'm not worried about the game being spooky. I am worried about the game not being spooky when I when the first person looks like this the whole time. I I don't know how that's gonna scare me because I found that kind of looked kind of bad. It looked kind of bad. And I again, that game is a, over a year away still. Um, so I'm I hope it they refine it, but. I, that's not what I thought that game was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's weird. Cause just thinking back on the E3 presentation, of course, when that, when that one lady came out and she's like, it's spooky. I was hoping for yeah. it. It's spooky. It looks creepy, but doesn't look spooky. I mean, there are some, I, there's I some horrifying imagery. Don't get me wrong, but it, just, like it just looks like an action game. I agree with Ryan that I'm not really worried about the atmosphere aspect because evil within nailed that too mm -hmm. uh then you know <laughs> yeah. uh, i open so, the door I, i'm in a meat grinder and the next thing i know i'm in an abandoned village what's going on yeah i expect that it'll be plenty spooky yeah i'm not concerned about that aspect yeah but but the moment to moment gameplay i'm not sold yet um okay pragmata which one's this Oh, this is the the guy in the spacesuit, and they go up space in the spacesuit dude, and the thing, and the and thing the girl, is, yeah, the robot girl. I think this looks cool. Don't Ooh, know much about it. I don't remember this one. Was it the astronaut suit, and they they go up because the satellite's crashing down to Earth, and oh, they fly okay. up and they hit land on the moon. Right. Oh, and the little girl on the moon. Yeah. Uh, it's just a trailer. That game's coming out in like seven. Contextually, years. it looks interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. have nothing more to say because we don't know. Yeah. The problem be. with a lot yeah. of trailers uh, is like, oh, it's a, a good CG trailer. What's the game? What's the gameplay, guys? Uh, I put this one on here, but uh, we don't need to talk about it. Astro's Playroom. Um, yeah, we don't need to talk about it long. It's just it's another fun um, platformer. Um, Astrobot is like a new PlayStation icon. Uh, the PlayStation VR has a has like a great Astrobot video game. Astrobot VR is a one of the best VR games. So um, I think they're trying to capitalize on Astrobot. Yeah, they're talking about the controller. The controller is super super sensitive and shit, right? Oh. Uh, yeah, it has like super rumble and like super like super audio and like yeah. Like, yeah. like haptic feels are on, like it's like haptic feedback or something. As yeah. Mag as Mag said, Oddworld Soulstorm. Oddworld is one of the most unique video game franchises in existence. Um, Lord Lanning started this decades ago as a cool platformer. They eventually turned into um, Oddworld Stranger's Wrath, which was a third-person centaur bounty hunting game. 
that's a lot of cool. Yeah, yeah, Brandon, it's spooky weird. You use live ammo, use bugs and critters as your ammo. It's I remember awesome. that. Oddworld is a super, super unique franchise, and it's Soulstorm is going back to its uh, platforming roots. Um, it also has a really dark, like oppressive undertone of like slavery and and um and like totalitarianism and all that shit you don't don't want to talk about. Uh, but it's really fun, and I'm glad that Lauren is still making games like 30 years later. I was thrown off in the presentation because the guy who presented the game said, "Hey, here it is in all its funny glory," and the trailer was very serious. Like the music yeah, I think was joking. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like. There's nothing funny in this. Every people are dying, and I feel bad for them. Uh, Lauren Landing uh, is a uh, is a very openly liberal type of dude who who is not afraid to tell you if you're a bad person, and I love him. Um, all right. It looks very uh, Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, okay. Returnal. Which one was this one? Oh, this, this is, is about it's, it's kind of like Deathloop, but it's about a a woman in space. Oh, uh, and the and, and the, the planet changes every time she dies. Yeah, it's a, it's a behind the shoulder shooter, or yeah, a third person cool. shooter. And she looks like Wendelin Christie. Yeah, that one. This one looks cool. I like the I like the imagery. Uh, I like the aesthetic of it a lot. Yeah. So uh, it's a terrible name. Yeah, it, it returns a bad name. Yes. Um. So Housemark is a is a PlayStation independent developer who up until then has made really small scale games, and this is their biggest adventure yet. Um. They make the type of games where it's like top down and like the you have to like avoid the bullets. So you see, you see uh, some of that in this trailer with like the the the, the spheres coming at you, like in um in near Automata Ben. Yeah, like bullet hell. That bullet hell. Thank you, bullet hell. This is a bullet hell type of game, but in full like behind this uh the shoulder third person. Um, and it's good for them. It looks super cool. I love the Lovecraftian aesthetics to it. Um, yeah, I do too. Uh, Destruction All Stars. That's yeah. the racing one, right? The Nintendo Derby one. Yeah, this looks, yeah, it looks like a mix between um. Mario Kart Battle Mode and Rocket League, and I'm kind of into it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't care about racing sports games or anything, but I do love a good Twisted Metal or a good demo oh, uh, kart I, game. I haven't yeah. seen one in a long ass time. It's so, very cartoony. I kind of dig that. It's not like nitty and gritty like Twisted Metal is, but it's very like, hey, we're here to have fun. I kind of like, really hope to play as the character with the with the with the cat helmet on, where it's like the anime things or the anime eyes. Yeah. Um, and I you can really get out of your car, so I'm wondering what the mechanics is of like if you get your car back after a while, or you can oh, steal someone else's. Or you steal someone else's. Yeah, I'm curious about that, but um, I love I love breaking cars apart more than I love driving them. So uh, let's hope it's good. Yeah. Is Burnout Three Takedown one of your favorite games, Ryan? No, it's not one of my favorite games, but it's definitely one of my favorite driving games. 100. percent There you go. Uh, that's more of a puzzle game. Good bringing that up. And Burnout's more of a puzzle game than it is a driving game because it's about getting more points and destroying shit. Uh, Project. Athea. Which one was this one? I have no idea what's going on. It looks it's dope. But it and uh, it's... Who knows? It uh, looks visually very interesting, but we know nothing. That's it's interesting. Interesting. it won't come out for years. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, you're right. What was the character in this one? We don't know. I, I don't even remember. A lot of people were thinking it was Final Fantasy 16, and now it's like Project Athea. I was like, nope. Oh, I don't think so. Dude, I don't think we're going to get Final Fantasy 16 until, like, the year before the PlayStation 6 is announced. <laughs> yeah. What about Stray? This is the cat game. Yeah. Play as the cat. Yeah, so I'm pretty, cat. I'm pretty sure this is the same studio that made um, Soma, which is a game that we played last year, Ben. Uh, the underwater oh, game. Oh, the underwater one. Yeah, so that's all about uh, sad, depressing shit. Um, so it's about, yeah, a cat living in a world full of robots, but the robots are dealing with sad shit too. It's a cat adventure game. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Fang's going to want me to get a little backpack. 
Yes. You know what? I think I'm once I get my PS5, this is probably going to be one of the first games I'm going to get because fans going to want to play it because there's a cat involved. Yeah. Um. Uh, real quick, Brandon. One of the great Twitter images I saw. It was just a picture of the cat, the backpack, and it's like of all the the PlayStation icons, we choose this one for the PlayStation Five, and it's just the cat like this. Like, <laughs> Straight cat. Uh, Kina, Bridge of Spirits. Kina. I, okay. So I, we don't know much about this game, but this is the one I'm most excited for because of the art style, the cute little characters, and what little gameplay. Now this is pre-alpha. This is very early gameplay, but it looks very inventive, and I really dig it. Yeah, uh, this, we were watching Giant Bomb's coverage of the conference, and they talked about how it. Someone mentioned on there that it looked like the PlayStation Two era of like creating its own thing and and just being being its own game. A, a good little adventure uh, visual creation, and uh, I think that's very accurate. And mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. I think it looks really cool and inventive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's I very early. This one too. Yeah. Because it seems like in a type of adventure game kind of thing that would be more in your wheelhouse. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know how many of these I'm gonna get. I have so much. I have so little time once once things are going again. Bro, this is still like six to uh, six months to a year away. We need to play one game at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And who knows when we're all gonna get a PS5 anyway? Because that's one well, thing been... else in the room we're probably gonna talk about in a bit. If my mom doesn't hate me, I'll ask her for it for Christmas. <laughs> Probably the, the, these holidays, Ben. Probably these holidays. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, this one looks good. Do we want to talk about Goodbye Volcano High? <sighs> Dinosaur people. So, okay, so that also has a lot of controversy behind it because one of the creators, uh, I don't even want to get into it, but they did some, they posted some really gross stuff on the internet and then they came and made this thing about teenagers. And the last thing they posted was gross stuff about teenagers. So I don't, uh, a lot of people are hating on it just for the fact that it's dinosaur teenagers. And to them, I'm saying don't hate things just because they exist. But knowing further behind it, I might not play this game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, then let's go to Solar Ash. This looks this looks really cool. Uh, which one? Oh, I don't remember this one either. Shit. This is the one with the this is the one with the 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 really like uh, artful uh, graphics, and he jumps into a a, a a black hole, and then a giant white lady. Oh, was like, oh, oh, you've oh, arrived. Yeah, yeah, Hyper Light Drifter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, yeah. The, the skating one, yeah. Yes, that, this will sick. probably be great. Hyper Light Drifter was great. This will probably be great. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, Little Devil Inside. Yes. I, I love the design of this. Yeah. I want I, it to be good. Mm -hmm. I, I want it to be good, too. I like how you're hunting monsters. It's, it looks like a very kiddie version of Monster Hunter, where you have swords, guns, and also looks... Uh, I want to know what the deal with that old man is, though. It's like it's his um his unapproving father or something, or like or that. like the employer who doesn't really care about him, or something. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I really hope this turns out to be a good game because it looks it looks fun. It looks like yeah, something I'll really enjoy. Your style is dope. I like it. Uh, bug snacks. Oh, this looks freaking cute. What cloudy what? with a chance of meatballs too? Two point five. Two point um, five. So. This is a game where you're an animal and you eat bugs and then the bugs be become part of your body. And I'm just so about it. It just looks, in, in a world where it's just full of depression and sadness and all our games are full of death, this is about just eating bugs and getting bug arms and, and animal and the, arms. The bugs are, are fruit. Are fruit, yeah. And then like, and you have food. like an arm. I'm like, okay. I saw like a, a centipede that was made out of three different sandwiches. 
Yeah, it's hella cute. There's hella. like a there's a freaking there's like snails with uh, with ice cream cones as their shells. It's yeah. ben, ben, have you seen Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs too? Not no, I haven't seen any of the other Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs movies. Ben, you'd probably like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Oh, but I know there's a joke about the leak in a boat, and it's an actual leak, and he goes ah, and he runs away. Uh, that's uh, Lord and Miller made those movies. The guys made really? the Lego and Spider-Verse. Yeah, those guys are mad talented. You should check them out. I know Terry Crews came to a screening of it dressed up as the as the character yeah. he voice acted. Yeah, there you go. He's the cop. He's the cop. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't remember seeing this at the PlayStation event, but I saw this somewhere else, so I don't know if you guys saw this one, but Werewolf the Apocalypse Earthblood? Okay, so it's not at the PlayStation event. So, because this is the week of E3, this was not the only press conference or thing happening. There are multiple E3 events happening. IGN is doing the Summer of Games, and then Kinda Funny on YouTube is doing the Gorilla Collective. So there are actually about 40 or 50 more games that we're not going to talk about today because they're all indie games because they, they would have been announced today on one of the seven other press conferences, right? right. So guys, do you want to see more about uh, smaller games that weren't tied to PlayStation? Check out IGN or check out Kinda Funny on YouTube because there are literally dozens of new games to talk about, one of them being Werewolf. I actually have something to mention about because of IGN Summer of Games, uh, Arcade One Up announced the new cabinets that are coming out this fall. And yeah. what are those cabinets? No, not X Men and a Marvel versus Capcom one. Yeah. And it's going to have X Men versus Street Fighter, Marvel versus Capcom, a bunch of the Marvel fighting games. I could get a Marvel versus Capcom cabinet that fits in my home that's not going to break the bank. Holy shit, I am happy. I, I don't know where I'm going to put it, though. You haven't given us a price yet, though, right? Uh, no, not for that one. I'm, I'm assuming it's probably going to be like 400 or 500 bucks, pro probably, because the Teenage yeah. Ninja Turtles one is 500 bucks, and that's a four-player one with two games. Okay. Uh, this is two-player, so it's going to be a little smaller. has four fighting games, but luckily, because there's going to be two different versions, an X-Men yeah. vs. Street Fighter one and a Marvel vs. Capcom one. Luckily, both those cabinets will have X-Men, Street Fighter, and Marvel vs. Capcom, and the other two games are going to be different. Of course, what I want is the Marvel vs. Capcom one, because... That one has Mega Man on it, damn it. And I want the one with Mega Man on it. I'm spending 500 bucks on a Mega Man fighting game. But it's got Street Fighter and, and X-Men. It's got Marvel vs. Capcom. It's got a whole oh, bunch I of shit. I, I was looking at it, baby. So overall. basement will literally be an arcade where he'll have all these arcade cabinets and no health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> so with, That is that uh, last part. That's my dream. With all these things, with all these things, were we more impressed with the Sony exhibit than what Xbox did a while back? Yes, but yeah. also they were doing different things. There's not fair comparison. It's, it's, it's not, yeah. because We didn't get an Xbox E3 conference. Yeah. They, that was just them saying, like, hey, here's some here's some of the games that are coming out. And here's, it is it is similar, but it wasn't the same scope or or the same idea of like, Hey, here's our easy presence. It's just like, Hey, here's something to tide you guys over. Yeah. Well, what I'm, what I was, what I was trying to figure is, you know, after that we were kind of, you know, apprehensive of the next generation of Xbox. You know, we were like, yeah. this doesn't really get me excited for this. Does that happen here? Are we excited for the next generation oh, of PlayStation? Yeah, 100%. Um, I did want to talk about what we brushed past it, uh, but the, the werewolf game. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Werewolf, oh, um, sorry. werewolf colon, the apocalypse dash earth blood. blood. Uh, conceptually, this looks incredible. It is a, so. Um, I it is based off of the World of Darkness uh, tabletop role playing game. This is based off an RPG book set, and there have been multiple games in this universe. So this is not the first game, uh, but it's cool that they're 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 doing it because um, Shadowrun is big. Cyberpunk is a big tabletop RPG. Um, yeah, I love werewolves. They're cool. 
yeah, I, I hope I hope the gameplay lives up. Yeah, um, they're calling it an action RPG, so um, that can mean so many things. Who knows yeah. what's all right, we're not done yet. We gotta go through some trailer shit. Uh, you should have left the new Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Okay, bye. I'm so glad that the you put this on here because I almost forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this looks cool. This is cool. They're directly addressing the awkwardness of Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this does uh, everything I love in horror movies. You open a door and it's not the place you're supposed to go. It's spooky and shit. Um, I really like when he's measuring the inside of the part, uh, the inside of the living room, and then the outside is like, why is the inside bigger? It's a TARDIS. It's a it's a spooky TARDIS. The yeah, house, I think this... the house chooses you. Yeah, I'm, uh, I hope it's good because yeah. uh, it sold me. Yeah. We we have a few horror trailers on here. This was the best. Yes, I agree. Uh, let's go to the other one, uh, Ghosts of War. Then also haunted house. Yeah, I actually thought I liked Ghosts of War a little bit more than I did. Uh, you should have left. Yeah, just a little bit. I I think what it is is because both Ryan and I agree conceptually love the idea. Yeah, acting wise. Really like this cast. Every actor I love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shades from Luke Cage is in here. Hell yeah. And Brenton Thwaites and Hawk from Titans are both here. Hell yeah. Um, however, all of the scary part feels generic and like stuff I've seen in horror movies hundreds of times. We watched three horror trailers today, and like if you watch them all next to each other, this is the most bland one for sure. Uh, for mm-hmm. the scare part. For the scares. The yeah. concept sounds really interesting, but the scare part feels so afterthought and yeah. lackluster and unimaginative. Whereas the Kevin Bacon one, all the all the scary stuff feels very imaginative. Yeah. Uh, and the other one, the name escapes me, but the other one we're going to discuss also didn't feel like it was doing run-of-the-mill scare stuff. Uh, uh, that the Ghost House one from DirecTV felt yeah, like that. Yeah, from DirecTV. Huh. Uh, okay, Relic. Yeah, Relic. That's the third one. Uh, yeah, I, I like this one. I think this one looked looked interesting. I really like uh, the the actor, the main actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. I I'm I'm optimistic for it. It looked uh, uh, if you put this scary stuff then into the the World War Two one, if the house atmosphere scares were were what was it? I'd be sold on that movie so hard. Well, all three movies are about like being stuck in like a house almost. That's what yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah. Uh, Relic Relic looks, uh, I got a lot of, um, not that I want to draw comparisons, but just like a vibe to it felt very reminiscent of the first time I watched the trailer for um, Hereditary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the yeah. dark dark tone, yeah. Um, yeah. Something's going on with that grandma. I really want to know what's going on with that grandma. Yeah. Uh, inmate number one, The Rise of Danny Trejo. I am so happy this is going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm too. so glad this is coming out. I can't wait to watch it. Danny Trejo deserves it. Uh, yeah. So I already told him, but um, there is a Animal Crossing talk show called Animal Talking, uh, hosted by Gary Whitta, who is the writer of Star Wars Rogue One and a bunch of other Star Wars comic books. Uh, he had Danny Trejo and um, Elijah Wood on uh, two weeks ago, right? Danny Trejo, um, obviously we watched the trailer. We know how his, his entire life. He also has like nine restaurants in taquerias in LA that he frequents and helps cook at. Uh, he is a exceptional human being who has had such an interesting life from being literally, yeah, being like the most feared prisoner in LA to being one of Hollywood's most loved actors. Like what a, what a story. Um, and it's all like, he's got donut shops and tacos and taco stores and and taquerias. It's not like it's, um, 
dramatized for a movie. That's his life. We 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 saw the pictures in the trailer. I want to go to a Danny Trejo owned taco. Yeah, yeah. I want to go to Trejo's tacos. I would make the drive out to Trejo's tacos. Yes. Apparently, um, his his taquerias and all those places are vegan friendly, and they have lots of like ethnic like like uh cultural mixes of like Vietnamese or other things. And he's just like he loves food, and he has enough money to just help out. I'm just like that's so good. That's so yeah. cool. I'm I'm excited to watch this. I am too. Yeah. Me too. Uh, <laughs> Doom Patrol. Season two. Did you guys watch this? Because, because, like, if you did, I it's watched not- it. Okay. I watched, I watched it. I watched it, it half asleep. Okay. I watched I it. Fi- I figured I was going to watch the first season anyway, so I decided not to rewatch it to refresh my memory. So I figured you guys would, ju- rather, would just rather talk about it since you watched the first season. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Because like watching a second season show, you haven't watched like you're not going to get a lot out of it. Yeah. Um, it's it picks up directly after the first season ended. Uh, you saw uh, there's a, a daughter character gets introduced. She looks like a caveman because she is a caveman. Um, that's stuff for later. Um, it looks more like of the stuff I love. Like I I'm glad they didn't show like too much because a lot of the heart of that show. Uh, yeah, I would say about half of the trailer is actually from season one. Yeah, because um, like a, the real heart of that show you can't do in trailers because it's just like things you have to build up to are really emotional moments. So like I'm I'm not. Uh, I have nothing to worry about with this with the show. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's it's around the corner. Best of the DC Universe shows, hundred percent. Yeah. All right, Eurovision Song Contest: The Story of Fire Saga. Ho 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 ho! Yeah, baby. This is the, the we saw the music video for these people for the Will Ferrell uh, Rachel McAdams joint. This is what that is. And we get to see Dan Stevens in this. I didn't know Stevens and is in Pierce this. Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. And so, as, so a, as his disappointing but really handsome father. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're talking about uh, um. Sorry, sorry, I had to mute my mic. And I just came. Yeah, Euro, we're talking about Eurovision. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This kind of reminds me of Blades of Glory a little bit. A hundred percent. Yeah. I feel it. Yeah, I'm excited for this. I've been excited. Yeah, looks good. Yeah. Uh, and then the long-awaited trailer for Bill and Ted Face the Music. Good teaser. Good teaser. Yeah. It's a teaser. I love it. It's a teaser. teaser. Yeah. Um, that movie's yeah, not coming out for a year. Um, obviously, like there's a lot of special effects need to get it's coming done. out in August. What? I thought it got pushed. What? Comes out in three months? Uh or two months, one month? Oh my god. Yeah, oh. we were talking about talking about it. It was pushed up a it was pushed up a week. Oh my god, you're right. Well, I hope that movie is good. So do I. <laughs> I uh I hope that it doesn't suffer from a um waiting too long. No, I was going to say Dumb and Dumber got away with it when they did their revival because those characters were meant to be kind of stupid. That baby's not good, though. I've seen no, 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 but my point being, I'm getting to my point. Okay. Dumb and Dumber got away with keeping them locked in being the characters they were decades ago. I think Bill and Ted can't keep the characters trapped mm-hmm. in being the exact same people they were decades ago. Mm-hmm. I think they have to have some amount of growth. I am not judging the film on this t- teaser for that. I just hope that's an aspect that is present, that they don't feel like they're just those same people without having grown Yeah. Uh, and are just old now. I think I do. 100- you see what I'm saying? I do, 100%. I think the problem with just doing a sequel 20, 30 years later, like no matter what, you can't have those characters evolve because the whole point is like they didn't write the world saving song, so they couldn't have evolved. Here's right. my here's my counterpoint. They're fathers. Yeah. They have to have evolved to some extent. Mm-hmm. They they can still be them, yeah. but they can be grown. I think to some extent. I do think and, we'll and, see that. And I'm not saying that this film won't have it. Yeah. I just hope that's something that's there because I think when revivals tried to do 
Dumb and Dumber is the most obvious example, and it failed. Yeah. Um, but I think when, but it had its, its excuse for this. But when revivals for films like this try to bring it up with them much older, it's very hard for them not to make them just feel like they're the same characters yeah. they were. And it's like, no, you have to be something a little more. And I, I am that. hoping that this film lets them be something a little more, specifically because my I'm optimistic because they are fathers. Yeah. That has to be a part of their mm. growth. And the daughters are the daughters are apparently like a big part of the movie. Right. We saw them for a moment in yeah. the teaser. Yeah, so I like to imagine. Um, I like to imagine that maybe they stayed the same um like musically and like it, like brain-wise, but they did evolve they did become better fathers and stuff like that. So they became better people, but like uh I see what you mean. I guess I need to see more of the movie to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to really, to really. So this just, movie, this movie is uh, Ed Solomon has come back to write the script for this film. He wrote the first two. Yeah, he's been he's been championing this movie for a long time. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. it's happening. To be honest, I need to uh, I need to watch those first two films before I see this one. Yeah, definitely. I, the- I would love to watch the. Uh, you guys know I love the Bill and Ted films. I my high school senior quote is "Be excellent to each other" from that first one. Yes, I know. Um, you tweeted that at the Bill and Ted account. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and, uh, oh, God, what was it? Well, quick, do I, I think you remember your senior quotes? Our school didn't do them. No, I don't remember mine. Did, did yours do one, Brandon? Yeah, we did both. Yeah, we did. I have no idea what it was. Yeah. But I'm, I'm excited for it. Just seeing, just seeing Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter as Bill and Ted again is like, okay. That, and actually, uh, just a side point, good on them because they actually did a virtual commencement ceremony for the graduating class at of San Dimas High, which is where the films were based in. That's so I thought that was really nice of him to do that. Yeah, I'm just I I love that Keanu. Um, I hope there will be a George Carlin Easter egg says Matt. I agree. Uh, yeah. That I I wonder what they're gonna do if they're even gonna have a Rufus stand-in, because like in the trailer it shows him just going into the phone booth. I wonder if they're not even gonna have a Rufus. Maybe Rufus's son or kid. Yeah. I just wonder, like, what you what you do with that character. Yeah, we'll see. Definitely all right, will. it's the moment you have all been waiting for. Our book club. An so excuse ben, to watch your... Ted again. <laughs> no, it is in fact uh, time to review Artemis Fowl, the latest Disney Plus, I guess original. Uh, they dumped it uh, on there. I probably should, click sh- to, should have taken what some what Fanny's grabbing right now before I watch this movie last night to go, make it uh, better a little bit. I'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick. That's that's my review. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. So this is Artemis Fowl, the latest film from Kenneth Branagh. It's an adaptation of the books. Uh, it is on Disney Plus for free. Uh, it was supposed to have a theater theatrical release. So full spoilers from here on out for this film. Uh, so let's go. Let's get right into it uh, with initial thoughts. I'll go with Ben first. This movie sucks. Sparks. I don't understand how you have a book series where the whole hook of the sh- of the story is that your protagonist is a bad person, a villain who grows to be an anti-hero as the series progresses and you make this generic piece of garbage. Uh, the nicest thing I can say about it is that it moved so fast I don't felt like I wasted my time watching it. I wasted my time! Yeah, Ryan's wasted <laughs> his time and I feel like I wasted mine as well. Um, it's also uh, sad to see that uh, Kenneth Branagh's latest film is also his worst film. 
yeah. I just want. I just was saying that uh, one of my one of my criticisms with the film is that the film uh, moves at a clip. This movie doesn't stop. It yeah, has, you have no time to care about any character. You have no time to care about any character. No time to be introduced to the world. You're just moving, and because of that, because it was so bad, I was just kind of like, well, at least it's over now. Um, sure. So oh I think I think for people who know the books, they're a little more mad because it's like you know how you watch Batman vs Superman and Batman kills and you're like that's fundamentally not the character. That's what this is. This yeah. is fundamentally not that character. Um, and they even have aspects of it, but they've cut from the movie in deleted scenes because they didn't want that character to exist for some reason. Um, I just couldn't get a hold on Artemis at all. The, he's, the... I feel like he's barely there. Like he I feel is. like I watched the movie and the main character was like. I feel like none of these characters were in this movie at all. Like, I feel like I learned nothing from anyone. Like, I feel like I it's forgot. Such a, it's such it's a shallow such, film. I feel like Judy Dench was in it a weirdly too much. She's like almost the main character. I, the film, the film is, it has very little substance to it. Um, I want to talk about the villain thing that you, that you guys keep bringing up. Now, guys, I don't know what you're talking about. At the end of the movie, he clearly says he's a criminal mastermind. I don't know where you guys are missing. That was so unearned. That was so dumb. <laughs> what movie? do you mean? No, no, hold on. I got to vent about this a little bit. What the hell do you mean you're criminal mastermind? You literally just did, you worked with the elf police to, to take down something. And now, what do you mean? It doesn't make any sense. The script writer, the script writer was like, what are character arcs? <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like anybody read this book. No. It feels like they read a synopsis of an idea. I mean, um, the, only, the only thing from the book I do remember from what the little bit I did read was Artemis and the butler doing a back alley uh, deal. Uh, 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 no, butler. Not the butler. Butler, thank you. Butler is his character. He's a bodyguard, not a right. butler. Okay. What so Artemis and about? butler. Did I get it right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Ar- from the I think it was like the first chapter in the book. Artemis and Butler are doing a, a seedy back alley deal, and Artemis is telling how many weapons Butler has on him. That how he has like five different weapons, and he forgets one. He's like, "Oh, I also have the claw." She's like, "Oh yeah, he has that too." So don't mess with me. Right. I didn't get a single sense of that. Like the first scene, like I one of my my first note is Surf Ireland, man. Is him surfing on the waves? When, when Butler when Butler is dying, I was like, "Am I supposed to care?" I saw, so, I saw so many tweets of people talking about, I was optimistic, and then I saw Artemis surfing, and I went, oh, no. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Sparks, was this your uh, um, Ozaru moment in uh, Dragon Ball Evolution? It was like, well, this is freaking wrong. Hmm. Hold on. Let me think about that for a second. For the uh, audience, what this, no, what this you know means what is. It should be when he shakes hand with his rival saying, well, you're my best friend, Holly Short, or something like that. Yeah, but that's too late. He's talking about when you knew this was going to oh, be bad. Yeah, okay. That's the Ozaru. For, the, for those of you who don't know, when, when Sparks went to see Dragon Ball Evolution, uh, 30 seconds in, he goes, ugh. Yeah, because in the opening narration of that movie, you know what? No, Ben, I'm sorry. It was when Josh Gad sat down in front of that stupid black and white camera and went, "Let me tell you a story about oh. the father, but the son." Right? Because oh, God, this guy gets he gets uh, he gets arrested, captured, and then he's taken to like an interrogation cell, and he just immediately starts telling the entire story to Kenneth Branagh. To Kenneth Branagh. Um, but it's when... because it's because it was all part of the plan. When this is happening, when he's doing this, 
And the narration keeps going. I'm like, oh, is this the whole movie? Yeah. So um, I want to say, like, from the the book reader perspective, I actually think Artemis Fowl can benefit from a narrator, but it's supposed to be a non-existent character narrator. Uh, Kenneth Branagh could have been the narrator and never shown up, and that would have been great because, like, having an objective person explain the world lore, that's how the book is written as you're ex encountering the events, is kind of nice. It's kind of fun. explains how, like, dwarves like body works and things like that as it's happening uh i think there was room for that to have existed in a film adaptation this is terrible um mulch is a character who's not even introduced until like the beginning of the third act in the book uh he he is only brought in to do the act of breaking in to try and find out if holly short is alive while he is in there he Cracks the safe, which doesn't have the whatever it's called. Ocul the, Oculus? Oculus. 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 No, there's more to it. It's like Oculus. No, it's, it's it's Oculus. No, it's Oculus. Yeah, it's Oculus. I I, I, don't think in there. I had subtitles on. Oh, um, it's the, I don't uh, think it's really important. No, uh, I mean, it looks so like an the, acorn. The golden acorn. Just call it the golden acorn for yeah. so That thing doesn't exist in the books. Just so you know. But I was watching, but watching it and. I'm, I'm, I kind of was thinking to myself, you know, I like the aesthetic of this film. I like the design of this film. I like Whenever, the design, yeah, yeah. I like, I like the designs of the the elves. I like their world. I think the, I think the world building is there, just cut to ribbons. Yeah, and again, if you guys, uh, after we record this, you should watch the teaser trailer just to see how different everything looks. Because like, there's some stuff still there, but it's clearly they like did like a, almost like a Sonic second pass over everything. I think uh, that that dome with the time where time stopped is actually it, it was a really cool visual. Absolutely, uh, with yeah. the with the wave coming, I thought that was cool. The time freeze is uh, time freeze is cool. Yeah. But that action sequence, but that action sequence when the when the when the elves attack him and the and him and Butler are on the are on the stoops is nonsense. Yeah, a lot of the action in this film is just nonsense. I agree yeah. with you. Um, I let's get some let's just get some some things out of the way real quick. Uh, Artemis Fowl's father was a villain and a criminal. He was never anything else. He was a villain and a criminal and he went missing. And in the first book, he's barely mentioned. It's just, he's missing and presumed dead by everyone else. Artemis Fowl's whole thing is he is trying to extort fairies to get a whole bunch of gold to make up for the losses that his father retained from the Russian mafia that's the plot, uh, so that he can fund an investigation because he's the only person who believes his father is alive. Artemis Fowl's mother is alive and is so maddened with the grief of the death of his father that she has endured a, a case of, they call it madness. She basically has Alzheimer's and completely forgets who Artemis is most of the time. But she's around and it's important. When things come to a head at the end, Holly Short is the hero of the book. Holly Short is a competent character who gets herself out and free from Artemis Fowl's clutches on her own and then finds out they're sending in the troll and goes in to save lives because she's a hero. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, she stops the troll, but Butler does almost die. She heals him. And when Artemis sees that, he says, I will give back half of the gold if you will heal my mother, which Holly again does because she's the hero. 
that's supposed to be the story. That is not. Yeah, that's that's ten times better than what I saw on Friday night. But Artemis Fowl, the villain, throughout, and at the end when Holly gets back, they try to kill Artemis and everyone else in the building, and Artemis narrowly is able to help them escape because he's intelligent and planned for it. Because the whole thing is that here's how the fairy law works with them. Uh, they send in a retrieval unit to try and get Holly. Butler uh, totally takes them apart. They set up the time freeze, but Artemis Fowl reveals to them that he knows how to escape the time freeze. He does. He breaks the time freeze. They send in the troll. The troll fails. So they drop a bio bomb, which Artemis also helps them escape. But they, they straight up try to murder him because he is dangerous. And they've never... This is the other thing. From the, from the reader's perspective, you are meant to underestimate Artemis because everybody else is too. And he is the bad guy. When you think about like how other books are set up and there's the opening event where usually you see what the bad person does to kick things off, that's how the book starts. It's Artemis going to a fairy to get a book uh, all about their world so that he can extort them for gold. That's how it opens, and he almost kills the person to do it. And again, as a twelve-year-old boy, that scene exists, but they cut it from the movie because that would that would actually make him a bad person, as a, as opposed to what he is here, which is uh, I like like an anti. Not even like this is one of the worst cases of um, showing me, not telling me, or excuse me, telling me, not showing me. Excuse yeah, me, because yeah. Mulch again, Mulch doesn't show up till the third act, but he's there from the beginning. And his whole thing is like, man, Artemis is so smart. Everyone always saying how smart Artemis is, and Artemis made this. I've, I, you did not show me one instance of Artemis doing any of that yourself. You're just telling me he's smart. That's not how you okay. show me someone smart. Well, like, there's, the thing, there's the thing with the. To be fair, there's the thing with the chair. So that's actually ripped out of the opening of the second book, and it does happen. Um, and that's like the only example. Okay. Of Artemis being intelligent and crafty, but I also think it's done in such a ham-fisted way because it, right, like it comes from the second book and in the first book is when we see Artemis just being intelligent by his actions. He outwits them. The whole thing is the way that he's able to capture Holly is because Holly is a fairy who needs to plant an acorn at a specific location in order to reconnect her magic with the earth and recharge. The only reason they are able to capture her is because she's weak. Uh, that was clearly, if you will go back to the teaser trailer, there's a sequence that doesn't happen in the movie that was clearly leading up to that moment that they just dropped. Um, I can't stress enough that that's supposed to be how the dynamic works. And and Holly and Artemis don't like suddenly bond. That's not how it works. Holly just does things to help him because they're right. And they're the good thing to do, to not let him get killed, to sit, to help his mother who is suffering from grief and madness. She does those things because she's a good person. But it, it's not like they suddenly become buddy-buddy. They don't get along. She's still a bad guy. He is an evil little Bruce Wayne. I, and wanna, I wish that came across in this movie. I want to touch on Judy Dench a bitch. A bit, a bitch. I want to talk about Judy Dench a bitch. God, I hate her voice. I Okay, look. Two people do the, ras the raspy voice in this movie. They shouldn't. Um, yeah. But there's a funny joke about it that Josh Gad got me with when he's like we both sound like two groaning hippos i thought that was funny um but i'm shocked at judy dench's commitment every single time i see her in one of these movies in a bad movie specifically because she is always given 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. yeah and it's kind of it's kind of great to see her commit to this role it's weird and wacky and shouldn't be in the movie but 
I, she was she was fun to watch because she was committing to it. When she, she is able to with a straight face say top of the morning. Yeah. It's easy to commit when you're supposed to be the straight man. Hmm. But I, I credit her. Like she's the best actor in this whole thing. I've given it her all. Of the mains, I think Holly was probably the best for me. That she's being, not in it enough. She's just not in it enough. Like I didn't get I didn't get a sense of anybody's character enough. Um maybe, no, neither did I. Mulch. Mulch, that's the name, Mulch. Uh, yeah, uh, I want to. I brought this up to Ryan. Um, if you just like read the book and you knew the the character of Mulch, I'm gonna tell you exactly who should play him, just as he's written, because this is how he talks, and you're gonna get it real quick. It's Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais is exactly how Mulch behaves, how he interacts with people, how he talks. They Josh gadded the crap out of that character to make him someone very different. Uh, I. I'm so sad about it. <laughs> when Josh Not that I necessarily in. wanted to see Ricky Gervais. Oh, we went. Oh, there we go. We're back. We're back. Yes. Uh, not that I necessarily wanted to see Ricky Gervais. We, we had a mess. We had a mess up. Sorry. Yeah, but I, I, it would have been more accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, it's a shame. It feels like they got Josh Gad because he's like Disney's dude right now. Yeah. Um, when he's in the when he's in the mansion and they're about ready to fight the troll, and it's just kind of like, oh, you're part of this team now. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. My biggest <laughs> problem with this, my biggest problem with the movie is basically just that it, it goes nowhere and just ends. It has we, so little substance, and by the end of the movie, I'm just like, did anything actually happen? So, like we get I to the same thing. We get to the final action scene like halfway through the movie. Like when we get to the like last place we're going to spend the rest of the movie. And then just things just keep happening, and then there's an action scene, and then it keeps happening, and it's like, this. I just, I just found it so boring. There's so, so much happening, but nothing's happening. So um, you know I'm, the scene. Go ahead. No, go ahead. you know the scene where I, I have quite a few notes here that I'm um, just like, that just the whole like when uh, Holly just like after she finishes her mission with the time freeze of the troll in in Italy or whatever, she just like bounces to go to Ireland. She's like, screw my orders, and we go clear my dad's name. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, I also wrote. Well, fuck that guy on the boat when they put the time freeze on uh, Foul Manor. That dude is just done for. Uh, oh yeah, when Artemis finally, like when he first shows up, and and Holly's trying to glamour. Um, I like the uh, real quickly. Sorry, Ben. I like the uh, the aesthetic of them getting pulled through the time freeze. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I didn't know at first. I thought they died if they got through there, but apparently they just like it discombobulated or something. One dude definitely did. I don't know if that was a, that was a rare case. Yeah. A anyways, uh, like when Artemis, like when the uh, the niece, when Butler's niece and Artemis show up, and she's trying to glamour him with the glasses. What a character. Yeah, of course. And then Artemis takes his glasses off. Glamour him. Get the hell out of there, Holly. You're, he's vulnerable. He took off his no, one shield. They became they became friends off screen. Um, I want to touch on the the niece thing real quick. She's a, uh, she's supposed to be the same age, but she's supposed to be Butler's sister. I don't know why they changed that. Um, their family is a family of bodyguards that live by a certain creed. Uh, their last name is really Butler. Uh, in the book, it's a it's a privilege when um, when a when the fowls address like bond with one of them enough to call them by their first name. Uh, Artemis doesn't call Butler by his first name until the third book. So they just threw that right out. Uh, which is just, these are things that helped make these character relationships mean something. 
his sister is supposed to be tending to Artemis's mom while she's waiting to finish her bodyguard training. That's her role in the house. Uh, and they toss that aside too. It, uh, I, I don't, I can't for the life of me fathom the decision to throw Artemis Fowl's mom out of this story. And if you, in looking it up again, Wikipedia is like credible or not, but apparently they did shoot stuff with the mom that just never made it to the final cut and final edit. Yeah. So apparently there's stuff with the mom they just didn't think was necessary. And I, yeah. I'm throwing a lot of book stuff out here because I, I went through it so recently and I, I read the first three. That's all I've read of the series. I never finished the series. I'm kind of wanting to at this point. Um, the second book is my favorite of those three. And this film made it so that that story is impossible because it took the elements of Artemis's whole thing in the second book is a quest to the Arctic to save his father. And that's when he finds out about Opal, the villain. So, cat stuff. <laughs> so they just made it so that that story, that story that's so good, that story that is built by having the first book be an introduction of these characters and their relationships and how the world works, which is what the first book does. That's what it's really for. And then sets you up for the adventure that is the second book. They just decided that that was never going to be interesting. And I know this was never going to get a sequel, but nonetheless, to just toss the possibility of the superior story out the window is insane. Funny enough, my last <laughs> note when I was, when the credits started rolling, my last note is I'll take sequels that aren't happening for a hundred dollars, Alex. Brandon, the game is on. This is a game that the game is on. Right. Yeah, they absolutely, oh. the game is on that. <laughs> yeah, but one of the things I was talking about is like the action scene in the troll in, the, in like the, the main room in the house, like the foyer or whatever the hell it's called. There were like five shots, three or five shots of Artemis holding Holly's gun, fully extended, ready to go. The troll is wrecking shit and he's not shooting it. He has the best shot. He has so many chances to fight back. You're getting too caught Dan up on the you're getting too caught up on the wrong thing, Ben. I don't care. He just that is poorly. That moment. The reason why you were so frustrated with that with that moment is because it is poorly edited. Because every action sequence in this movie is poorly edited. It is edited to a point that you cannot comprehend what is happening. It really yeah. is Ron's worst movie. What a shame. Also, also the the kid who I do not like the kid who plays Artemis. At he's all. not he is, he's bad. He's not bad. bad. It's, he's so flat. He's just so. There's no. I I did not get any sense of of. Uh, any like um like negativity or any like well, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is like I don't know I, he never seemed like a con man to me he just seemed like no. a nappy twelve year old I don't know why it took me so long to make this connection do you do you guys want to understand Artemis Fowl real quick Artemis Fowl is Damian Wayne without getting to live with Bruce there you go okay that's, that's who he is that's there we who go. he's supposed to be yeah that's it and and at the end of the day you said before why would they choose to adapt the book series that is beloved for having a kid villain who turns into a better person, but he is a villain. Why would you choose that and then decide not to do that? That's the reason people like that book because it's something different. And not in a single book. He doesn't do it in yeah. a single book. That's such a... Uh, they uh, really could have had something super awesome here. They could have had their first, like... And it's not the first time they've made villain-centric shows. They made, like, The Descendants or whatever you want to call it. It's not, so they've done Yeah, it. but I mean, they made those kids good. Yes. Before the movie was yes, over. Yes, but you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. They, they're too scared to just take a chance because, yeah, he's a jerk in the first movie. You know, he turns into a, I haven't read the first later books, but he does turn into a better person. I can't stress enough how weird and dumb it is to me that they created a MacGuffin that never existed. What does it do? It has the power to do everything. It, it has they, the power to 
take to go from one place to another or warp some. Like seriously, my what my second to last note is hold up. Seriously, that's how they win. Yeah, that's yeah. how. We have this 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 opal person who you never see their face, and you see um, Artemis Senior about to die, and then he just pops up in the basement, totally fine. And the villain literally goes, "No!" I was shocked. I was shocked. Watching the rest of the movie, I was like, "Oh, we're wrapping up." That was it. Yeah. Yeah. I like. Is, is this seriously how they ended it? Ninety-five minute movie, man. Yeah. It's, it's are, super are, are they? Is this serious? Is this seriously how they end this shit? Are yeah. we seriously done? What the uh, hell? I'm real. Um, Holly is is slightly whitewashed. She's supposed to have chestnut brown skin. And Butler and his sister are not supposed to be black. They're supposed to be very white Irish. But you know, make the the bodyguard servantiles the black people and make Holly not black. That's and 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 I, I, I give credit to to I guess the studio, but Kenneth Branagh is Irish. This is an Irish production. The main care the main actor, it's his first movie, he's Irish. They shot in Ireland. So for that aspect of it, the keep it true to Irish like like lore and all that stuff, that's awesome. Um it, their accents need to be better. Is contrary Irish? No, Judy Dench's is traveling all along oh, the aisles yeah. throughout the film. Yeah, she's everywhere in the UK. Uh, yes, Ben, he's Irish. Okay, no, because Fan was it? Yeah, babe, he's Irish. Colin Farrell's Irish. Yeah, again, yeah. everyone's Irish. It's cool. That centaur dude is Irish, maybe. He's that dude's a he's a real centaur. How about that? I actually kind of like him a little, just a little bit, just a little bit. He he's had great he had his funny moments. He's a great character. They neutered him. They also, they make him go, nay, and like, and I'm just like, I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's so silly. Uh, okay, I'm done. <sighs> so rate, let's rate and get out of here. Okay, uh, Sparks, I'll go with, I'll go to you. Rate and final thoughts. One? <laughs> wow. Is this, wow. This, is, this is worse than Mission Impossible International, right? Mission Impossible International. Men in Black. Sorry, Men in Black. The like because the last the yes. worst movie we've seen recently was I think Men in Black. That was the yes, last. Really I could bad still one. watch Hemsworth yeah. and Tessa Thompson okay. interact so, with each other bare minimum. So this is now the officially the worst movie that we've seen in a while. It's Artemis Fowl. This is a one. Wow, uh, Ryan. I I'll give it a I'll give it a three. Like this is definitely the worst movie that I've reviewed on this podcast. I think because I know I gave Venom I think like a five or a six or something. Uh, but yeah, this this I I was mad watching this. Let me let me clarify real quick with my one in my final thoughts. Uh, I find it unforgivable to just toss aside the main character's character yeah. in adapting. I mean, like that's why it's a one. It's a bad movie, but like this is this isn't just ignorance of the source material. This is just changing it completely and deciding that it was never relevant to why the books were considered beloved by anybody. Uh, and and then, I find that yeah. utterly unfair. And then they have the gall to call him a criminal mastermind still. Like that, that's, you gotta pick, you gotta pick one. You can't have both. It doesn't make sense. So Ryan, what'd you give it again? Three. Three. Ben? Oh no, I'm giving it a three also. This if I had read the books, if I had a love of the books, and this was the thing I, because I was actually wondering when the first book came out, and I saw multiple books were coming out in the in the '90s. I was actually thinking, or in the late in the early thousands, I was thinking, what is the movie coming out? Because that was like the trend: a big popular children's book pops up, the movie's gonna follow eventually. The fact that it took them this long, and this is what those fans got, 
I weep for them. This is just, uh, I'm don't... glad I stopped waiting for this movie five years after I finished reading yeah. it. This, um, this is just don't waste your time even. Just there are so much uh, better things to watch. After watching this, I had to watch like a Marvel documentary just to cleanse my palate. I'm glad we didn't go to the movies to spend money on this. I am so happy I didn't spend five bucks on this. I think I would give it. See, it didn't make me mad. I just don't care. Yeah. So, like. If you read the book, you'd be mad. I guess I'd have to give it a five. Like, it's just. Don't Why care. Why not set that as your bar? Because it didn't <laughs> make me angry. If it may, if the if it's if it makes me angry, that's when I go below. But it didn't. I just don't have any active thoughts of it. Yeah, I have okay. no angry thoughts. I have no liking thoughts. It was just for me, just but just you don't be nothing. Think it's a worse movie than a five. My, my my rating system. My rating system. Lay off. I I oh I oh oh what was I gonna oh I had something and I lost it. I'll come back to it. I do not think it's a fifty percent success. No, I'm not. I don't look at it that way. You know, it's kind of like you know, I don't look at it also like the 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 school rating system. Like, yeah, no, five just means it's a nothing. Five just means it's nothing. Five oh, one. I was gonna say, um, there, uh, I I have not read them, uh, but there are a series of graphic novels based off the books. Th- uh, two two graphic novels. You want the originals if you're gonna check them out at all. Um, Disney rebranded with, uh, I think it's Disney that I, I don't know for sure who rebranded with doing new Artemis Fowl graphic novels. They also decided that they could improve the books by changing a lot of things. Uh-huh. Um, go to the original graphic novels that came out just a couple of years after the book series started. If you wanted to check those out at all, those are the ones you want. I actually might look into that because uh, uh, um, yeah. I don't want to read the books because I got other things to read, but yeah. If you have Amazon Prime and either of you are interested in knowing how bad this movie is an adaptation, the first Artemis Fowl graphic novel, the original, is on Amazon Prime for free. Oh, sweet. Just read it. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and check it out. Then you might be mad. <laughs> uh. Hey, welcome to the Fake Nerd Comic Shop. Yeah, hi. Um, do you have any books? Uh, could you be a little bit more specific? Um, anything readable? All right, so let's get into our book club then. Uh, ben, take it away. Yeah, something that made me a whole lot happier than Artemis Fowl is The Immortal Hulk, written by Al Ewing and drawn by, I have the name, Joe Bennett. So Brandon kept talking about how great this book is. It's a body horror book about where Bruce Banner can't die, and at night he turns into the well. It's not like a werewolf thing, but the Hulk comes out at night, and no, it's a werewolf thing. It is a werewolf thing. Okay, but the Hulk comes out, comes at, out night. at night. The Hulk comes out at night, and he re- and he just brings the fear of God into people. This book is freaking awesome. It is worth every single word of praise that you have heard on this show or others. This I was at the comic book store the other day trying to find more trades of Immortal Hulk, and they were cleaned out. So I, after when I was done reading this book, I I want more. I want really, really more. And I I'm recommend reading more. And the nut thing is, I'm surprised because this is the second Hulk book, Hulk book, Hulk book I have done for this uh, show that I have read. I thought, yo. Hulk is actually really, really cool. And I've said it before, spoiler alert, every character could be good with the right creative team. Every mm-hmm. single character. Anything could be good. Anything could be good. Anything could be good. And God, I just, I freaking love how freaky, the, the, just the first issue, 
of um of Immortal Hulk. She where, was twelve. Yeah, and just like those two no. big splash pages of Hulk just leading over the the gas station robber, and then later on will we meet um Walter and Sasquatch and the fight with them in the hospital just just ooh. So, so one of the things that I really like about this book, so I've been reading it since the beginning, since it first since it first came out. I have every single single issue. Um, one of the things I really like about this arc is that it does set up. Uh, yeah, a little humble brag there. Um, I did. Hey, the second issue is worth a hundred dollars. I'm just saying. Um, oh, I have it too. Cool. Is yeah. it really? Um, yeah. Because it's the first appearance of the. I've like, got it. I've the, got it. It's the first. This is when speculation was. I mean, it's always rampant, but it was really bad. It's the first appearance of a new villain, the Radioactive Man. And so it's worth $100. (laughs) Oh, God, that issue was so good. So one of the things that I really like about this is that it's implying that there is something wrong with all of the gamma-powered heroes. Yeah. Uh, Because this Hulk is not the same Hulk that that we've been dealing with. This is clearly a different Hulk. Banner even says, like, I think he's smarter than me. Yeah. And that and that's not Hulk. So there's something new inside of him. Maybe something old, which is why wow. when we see when we see Sasquatch is possessed by someone claiming to be Bruce Banner's dad, mm-hmm. uh, he said he says um, he says this is always inside you. Yes. Uh, so I've also been reading it from the beginning, but I, I took a break. But uh, because of Marvel Unlimited, it's very easy to catch up. Um, I forgot how much of the seeds were planted for the big cosmic stuff. From from the first issue, the stuff yeah. with the green door and like, oh, you talk about the one above all. What about the one below? Like, I forgot how much of that stuff is still relevant thirty issues as later. above, as above, so below. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, man, this book is just. You know what this book really reminds me of? And after rereading again, this reminds me so much of honestly of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. It's about a monster trying to correct humanity's wrongs because it's almost like standalone single issues that build to a bigger narrative. Um, and I got a lot of vibes from Alan Moore's original run. Um, and I just this book is just so fun. And in fun in a really like weird way that you you've never seen the Hulk before because he is basically an angel an like an angel of vengeance. He's out like patrolling the streets, finding crime, and it's just like it's gnarly and it feels it feels dark. And there's this, there's the the super personal villain stuff. Like every person that he kills has their own tragic like backstory why they did the thing they did. And the Hulk just doesn't give a shit. I and was it's scared. So spooky. Like the Hulk scares you, dude. I was scared that when Hulk first shows up at this scene, this page right here, it's the page, it's this, one of the last pages of um, issue one where he looks into you and says, like, like guys, oh, like, yeah. saying, I'm not, I'm not a bad person. And he goes, what do you think? Just that image right there. I know it's really hard for me to put up. No, the camera so, yeah. It is horrifying. I was scared. I was going to see that in my nightmares the night before. Just but, that, that whole page of him, like looking at uh, him and listening, like, yeah. him just listening to his excuses. So mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, I, this whole this whole trade is great, but I think my favorite issue of this trade is issue two, with I, the dad, with I'm, the dad, that stuff with the radioactive dad, with the radioactive, uh, the son who, uh, oh god, yeah, where he's like, I see a green door. His son whoa, starts. That's just horrifying. And not only that, like, because when Bruce visits the grave, he feels the radioactive, and because people are saying, yeah, so many people are dying. Why are people dying? And you talk about the walking ghost phase, which yeah. is just terrifying that you're a dead man walking. And then uh, like when the, uh, the EPA shows up and they dig up and they exhume the body and he's like glowing green. He's reaching out like trying he's to alive. Save it's messed up. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I, there's, there's so many more moments like this 
to come. Um, but this book really lays the groundwork for some really engaging stuff. Like when you see Sasquatch on Alpha Flight, and Carol's mm-hmm. like, "You've been this. We don't see a lot of your other oh, side Walter, anymore. Yeah. We don't see a, a, enough of Walter anymore." And so when he transforms, like, okay, that was a lot harder than it used to be. Yeah. Also, like how something like has how... been something has come through the green door. No, because one of the things I actually like about the third issue is the third or fourth issue. I want to say it's the third. When um, Walter is talking to the reporter, girl, the reporter lady, about Bruce and how they got in that argument one time, and this is the Bruce fourth goes, issue because the third issue oh, is the one with with McGee looking for all the people trying to piece together what happened with the oh, whole that was church. Good, oh, that was a really good issue too. All the different yeah. art styles. Man, was, the girl with her head just twisted around. She's smiling. Oh, you mean uh, that? Oh boy, yeah. that's horrifying. That that. Yeah. This might be the most disturbing thing when she was like she's sitting there so peacefully, and it took me like five seconds to realize her head was completely turned around. That's sickening, guys. That's oh my god! No, not only that, and the line that the priest said afterwards, where he I haven't been able to pray ever since. I haven't been able to pray ever since. What does that tell you? It's like, oh shit. That's the thing. So many people equate this new Hulk to the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, like speaking of the different art styles, like there's like this thing with the with the green glowing guy. Yeah, um, I swear he looked like James Dean. <laughs> yeah, definitely like James Dean and that old lady talking about it. And I I love the different the different art styles, but like it switches from like a cartoony like Saturday Night Fever pose to then again the girl with her head twisted around and how and again, also the tones and how everything matches matches. I'm like, man, Al Ewing just knows what he's doing. Well, not only that, I love how every single art uh, piece of art reflects the person who was talking. Like the yeah. cop, the cop, the cop speaking looks like an old 1960s book where oh, like everything's yeah. a good guy. The um the priest is co- is like a Sean oh, Gordon. Oh golly gee, guy. he's a he's a founding Avenger. He wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. it's very like, 1960s Stanley. Yeah, and then the priest is like Sean Gordon Murphy, the jagged, the edgy. And of course, the the old lady is like all shoujo manga love hearts and everything. Yeah, it's like and, anime. And the the bartender is this very minimalistic, simple, just like, sup. Yeah, yeah. The, there's there's some incredible issues coming up. The stuff mm-hmm. with the, I wish I wish we could talk about the whole series. Maybe maybe that'll maybe that'll be my next pick for our, well, our book I'm, series. I am going to find volume two. I'm going to pick up these trades. This. This has me hook, line, sinker. I want to keep reading more. This is yeah. just daddy. Oh, daddy. God. This is daddy. What, man? Yeah, uh, I I hadn't revisited these issues since they first came out, so it was really nice to go back, and I, I need to pick up Immortal Hulk again reading it. Um, yeah. Uh, but it's really solid stuff. Yeah. Uh, nothing gets me more personally than the, uh, not like in a, uh, oh no way but in like a damn way uh is the, the end of the second issue when he's like let me die just let oh, me die. oh that is messed up like when he's on the bottom of the pit and it's like give me the abyss death is better than this it's yeah yeah so messed up it's just the book is the book is excellent it's constantly one it is constantly one of my favorite reads every every time it comes and, out and again going back to this first volume this is tame compared to the stuff that happens later mm-hmm. on so like if you thought this stuff was wacky like well, that's the thing. Going back to it, going back to it was wild because I was like, you know what? Compared to some of the shit I've seen recently, this, this is like not bad. Yeah, yeah. It's a, even, but it was revolutionary to see with the Hulk. Yeah, uh, when it came out, oh, I remember yeah. that moment when I first read it. And I'm like, damn, this is the Hulk comic I've been yeah. wanting. I think yeah. the last Hulk book I read 
was totally awesome Hulk number one. Besides uh, besides Hulk Gray. Oh, boy, I remember that book. Yeah, That's so a, totally awesome Hulk. Yeah, I remember kind of Hulk. It's very different. Yeah, like, Bruce, like, even when we got to the when I got to the end, it's like, here's this little collage of, like, Bruce Banner asking Hawkeye to shoot him, to kill him. Uh-huh. To- totally awesome Hulk is the Artemis Fowl Disney plus watered down version. This oh. is the bad guy Hulk. Yeah. 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 No, but just that, seeing, that like. Totally awesome Hulk is Amadeus Cho as the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but just like seeing Bruce Banner trying to just die, finally, just let him, like the word, he's like, just let me rest, just let me go. And then everyone just keeps bringing him back into the fold. It's like, like, well, yeah. times you see Bruce Banner die. Well, one of the best things about this, about this book so much, that, that, that I love so much about this book, is just like, he's just like, I can die. He can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no matter what, Bruce Banner is is cursed no matter what. And it goes back to goes back to uh, the old Jack Kirby Hulk when Jack Kirby and Stanley created Bruce Banner. Uh, he would always transform into the Hulk at night, and then that slowly changed. And it went right back to that. If you read some of the background materials and some of these single issues, I don't think it's collected in the trades. Uh, but the there, single there issues, a... the single issues talk a lot about his process in coming up with this with this version of the Immortal Hulk. And it so... talks about how he how he goes back to that old that first Jack Kirby cover. What it yeah. says is he man is he monster is he man or is he both? It is uh, that actually that's what the title of the first volume is is he both yeah. because they do collect the the first letters page with um, a picture of the famous cover Good. where they Good. where they ask him is he a is he uh, is he a man or monster or is he both? I yeah. love that it, that it's just modernizing what was already there that was just mm-hmm. kind of like more subtext or not as as intense because it was the sixties or whatever. Right, um, right. That's so I love that. So that's what I love about it too. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, the I, cross issue covers are always... So awesome. yeah. Just this one of Hulk rising from the grave, just this cover alone is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Alex Ross is a man who can draw... Who he, everything he draws, he can do no wrong. And he's starting to do... We talked about it. He's going to start doing the Iron Man covers when Iron Man gets relaunched. So, boy, oh, I got variants to buy. Oh. No, if I had a limited supply an unlimited supply of money i remember the last comic con i was at there was this beautifully done alex ross painting of the beatles yellow submarine mm, i wanted to buy one for myself and one for my dad because he's a huge beatles fan and i thought that'd just be one of the coolest pieces in my house i have an alex ross poster of the the current guardians of the galaxy roster but as their original appearances oh yeah okay oh Alex cute. has uh, been doing the Captain America covers uh, for Coats. Yeah. And yeah. all of those covers are also beautiful and brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. Um, okay. Ryan, it's your book club next week. What do you got? Immortal Hulk is awesome. Immortal Hulk is very awesome. So in honor of the great Danny O'Neill, I decided to pick a book that I have not read yet. Um, I don't think any of us has read. I'm picking Green Lantern, Green Arrow. It is a collection of, I believe, seven comics that are from different series that, uh, that all incorporate everything that involved Green Air and Green Lantern. Um, I can't wait to read this. This is apparently the battle that shook a nation, so I wonder what that battle is going to be like. How in the hell does Green Arrow fight a Green Lantern? We'll find out next week on the Fake Nerd Book Club. Um, okay, and speaking of Fake Nerd Book Club, we do have a new series where we're diving further into series of comic books, uh, graph- one graphic novel in that series at a time. That's the Fake Nerd Book Club series that you can pick up right now on your local YouTube station. That doesn't work. Whatever. <laughs> um, next week, we are back to our the Camus watch through the, the DC Camus. animated the, the DC 
the Kamu, DC... I've come to bargain. Uh, I had to. <laughs> no, you won't. You love me too much. Our, our DC animated movie universe watch through. We are at part three with Justice League versus Teen Titans, Justice League oh. Dark, and Teen Titans, The Judas Contract. I think these are good ones, you guys, if my memory serves. I hope. We also have our anniversary special up now. You can watch, you can watch or listen to that wherever you want. That was a lot of fun. Uh, four years, guys. Here's the four, four more. Um, and we're on the road to 200, guys. 200 oh, episodes. Wow. Um, by the way, congratulations, Downright Nerdy. Uh, you guys got us got a partnership with Squatty Potty. Congratulations. <laughs> well congratulations. That's right. <laughs> congratulations. Um, yeah, all right, guys. My commercials are great. All right, guys. Um, you can find us on YouTube, obviously, if you're watching this, um, where we have other shows such as the Fake Nerd Watch and Basement Arcade. Uh, for Fake Nerds Watch, right now our latest was Clone Wars, where we talked about the Siege of Mandalore arc. Basement Arcade is going on with Mortal Kombat 9 right now. New episode ha- is up now. Um, make sure to like and subscribe. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. Lots of cool stuff. Now there are three shows on this, uh, four if you count our, uh, if you count the main podcast, on this channel. So you're definitely getting your bang for your no bucks. Um, we have a we have a Funko affiliate link in the description. Uh, use promo code SHOP10 for 10% off your purchase if you click the link in the description. We have a Patreon and a TeePublic. Both links are in the description of that one. Or you can find everything all at www.fakenerdpodcast.com where you can find all of our links to our Patreon, uh, TeePublic, our blogs. I'm putting up a new blog possibly tonight if she's read it. <laughs> <laughs> Told her to read it four days ago. Um, and all those links are in the description below. You can, uh, thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to all the, all the ones who watched, who popped in. Thank you to Mag, who always comments. It's been a lot of fun okay. doing this. Thanks, buddy. Um, thank you to everyone who listened to the show. Thank you to everyone who been with us for 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 almost 200 episodes for four for four years uh thank you to jeremy Volucci for our interim musics if you've been listening to this if you're listening to this on itunes or on the audio then you hit the interim musics and of course the intro and outro themes that was him you can find him at jeremy Bellucci keyboards he has a podcast suburban proctologist uh suburban proctologist sorry mag said something waiting for the final fight of mk9 yeah <laughs> couple more weeks almost there um you can find his show, Suburban, Pro- Suburban Proctologist, on YouTube and on iTunes or at Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official or at Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Thank you to Mike Matola. Mike, you're great. Thank you for our logo and our new Fake Nerd Podcast logo, Fake Nerd Podcast Book Club logo, mm-hmm. uh, where he gave us a cool, badass owl with a monocle. Yeah. Um, you can find him at Mike Matola. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all on Fake Nerd Podcast, FakeNerdGuys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Sparks? You can find me talking about a lovely little website called bookshop.org at SparksWitty on Instagram and Twitter. Do you guys know about bookshop.org? Is this no. a new No, it's not. Ah, it would be great. Do you guys know about it, though? Is no, this what is the it? thing that was just slapped in the lawsuit? I'm not aware of that. Okay, tell you thing. Bookshop.org is a competitive website to Amazon where you can shop for books. Uh, their whole goal is to create an online service where you can buy books from local bookstores. Oh. So you're able to shop all kinds of local bookstores. So smaller bookshop stores and bookshop owners get your business, but you don't have to go there. Uh, and it's just to give you an alternative to Amazon. Uh, their com- pri- prices are pretty competitive, at least for new books. They don't have like used books on there or anything. But I just looked and you could get 
all the volumes of trade of Immortal Hulk are on there. So just an example, uh, I just think we should bring a little more awareness to that because support your local bookstores is important just as much as supporting your local comic book shops. True that. Uh, Ryan? Oh, yeah. I'm DJ Tony Snark everywhere. You can find me on the on the YouTubes, the Twitters, the, the Twitches, the Instagrams, the Prawn Hubs, wherever you want to look me up. Uh, as, as I said earlier, the Yeti's broken, so I'm not streaming without a good mic. So let's hope that mic I paid extra money for arrives on Tuesday, because if it doesn't, why did I pay so much money? We'll see. Ben? I am on Instagram and Twitter at BenMagna27. I also write for the website oldschoolgamermagazine.com. This is my first print issue that I finally got. That's amazing. Yeah, well, th- I'm not in that one. I just I just got the magazine to read it. Oh, well, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I still write for I still write for the website at oldschoolgamermagazine.com and also you can uh, find me just talk about like video game that's where I talk about video games old school mostly. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, uh, I so, just look it up, Brandon. Bookshop.org is not involved in a lawsuit. Oh, okay. Um, someone just got hit with something, and then we'll blame blame Chuck Wendig. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, subscribe to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Rate and review wherever you get us. Greatly appreciate it. Until next week, guys. Stay fake, nerds. Stay fake.